You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Supergirl. So, yeah, uh, I apologize for the end of the last episode. I implied that we were going to talk about a TV show with Noah Wiley in it, because at the time that I recorded the outro for that episode, that's the one that I thought we were doing next. But since then, the CW has released their plans for later in the year, and I found out that Supergirl was returning earlier than I thought it was. I had thought for sure with how packed their schedule was in the spring that Supergirl wouldn't come out until late May at the earliest. And so I was fairly confident that we could let this episode slide out a little bit longer. But then I got the news that it's starting back on March 30th, and then it's like, oh no. Because even with the current release schedule, there's no way that I could get it in before it comes back. So I apologize, Supergirl. Also, as you know, listening to this is late by a couple of weeks. It was not the way that I wanted it, and I'm sorry that it turned out this way. But this is the quickest that I could get it out to you guys. And at least it's not as late as The Flash and Batwoman were, and that's the only thing that I can offer there. But I can promise that Stargirl will be on time, that the episode will release before the new season of Stargirl starts, because that one is confirmed to come out in the summer. So, again, I am sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry about the release schedule. I'm sorry about my herniated... Oh! Oh, that's the update I should really give. So, at least at this time, uh, and right now it is March 10th when I'm recording this... The physical therapy combined with steroid pills has helped me get back on my feet. The back pain is very minimal now. Things seem to be going the right way. I am going to have an MRI in a few days, and we're going to see what's going on back there. But at least for now, it seems like we've taken care of the problem. Now, since over the last few years, I've had several times where my back has been really bad for a few days at a time, just never for a whole month or more, uh, like it was this last time. I'm kind of worried that things are degrading back there, so I still think it's good to have an MRI, uh, so I'm kind of glad that we already got that on the schedule. But anyway, things are on the uptick for me, so just progress report there. In other news, Beth and I watched Tenet. Everything I've heard about Tenet from people has varied from meh to it's awful. I loved it. I don't know why everybody's so down on this movie. I thought it was great. I loved the concept of what they were doing. I thought it was well acted. I thought that the plot was really cool. I think there are a lot of implications to it that I think they did the I think Nolan did the perfect thing with that movie in that, yeah, there are some things that don't make sense, but he left enough nebulous that you can fill in the gaps and make it make sense. I think there was enough leeway and enough room in the plot as it was told 
that you can sort of, you know, conceive of what might make it make sense. And that's the best I can say without giving away any kind of spoilers for people who haven't seen Tenet. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, and if you've been turned off by people saying bad things about it, I recommend you just give it a try for yourself and see if you like it. I loved it. I'm not generally... People are usually gaga for Nolan films, but I'm the person that was not super big on Memento. I was not super big on Inception. Uh, you know, I thought they were okay movies, but they had their problems. I love Tenet. I loved his Batman stuff too, but I mean, that's a little, you know, that's superhero fare and everything. So I'm not someone who's just predisposed to just say like everything that Nolan did is fantastic. But yeah, this non-Batman stuff, I enjoyed Tenet the most. So take that for whatever you want there. You know, that's my endorsement for it. I think I mentioned before already we finished Lower Decks. Um, We're actually watching Dragon Ball Super right now as an anime. Finally getting into Dragon Ball again and, 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 you know, watching through that. So that's a lot of fun. We're about, I don't know, like a third of the way through the series. So I'll let everybody know what I think of that once we get to the end of it. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. I think that it's doing a good job of not falling into the trap that Dragon Ball Z fell into of just having everything take forever while at the same time, you know, giving you the characters that, you know, you enjoyed and it feels right. You know, even though it's been such a long gap between, you know, them making Dragon Ball Z and Drake making Dragon Ball Super. It feels like the characters are in the right place. There's only one thing that felt like a huge disconnect to me, and otherwise everything really feels like it's still part of a natural progression. So I think it's one of the better continuations that I've heard in a while. Although, of course, the fact that they had to... You know, I'm, I watch it in Japanese with subtitles, but the fact that they had to change Satin-san's voice actor because, you know, he passed away, uh, is sad to me, even though it's great the fact that just about everybody else came back, so I mean, all the other voices are the same ones from 25 years ago, it's kind of amazing. But yeah, 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 so, you know, that's, that's a lot of fun for that. We finished Lower Decks, uh, wasn't really my thing, I generally like Star Trek stuff, but to me it just seems like a generic American cartoon, you know, modern American cartoon that has just been you just slap Star Trek trappings on top of it and it's the same kind of thing. And since I'm not really keen on modern American animation, either in its visual format or just in its presentation, you know, as far as like its humor, I just really don't like modern American cartoons. So it doesn't really do much for me. I do like sort of the nostalgia of some of the, you know, next generation style visuals and sound effects that they put in there, but that's not enough to get me to really watch something that's just kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. And it's not to say I didn't laugh at all. I mean, there were definitely things things you know that made me laugh during the episodes but just overall it just mm, it just wasn't really that great for me and wandavision which is excellent i mean it is so good there will be an episode we're going to do an episode on wandavision so you'll hear my full opinion there but again i don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it so yeah i I think it was, again, the, M- the MCU, Kevin Feige, he is so smart about adapting the comic book material, but not being slavish to it. So taking sort of the core nugget of the story, mixing in some elements from some other comics, you know, and a few other comic storylines thrown in there, while at the same time being like, well, this is part of the MCU, so how do we fit this into the MCU, and what's 
already happened and where we're planning on going and all of that. So I think that from that standpoint, it was just an amazing way to adapt the Vision and Scarlet Witch limited series, but keep it focused and rooted in the MCU and how the MCU has presented these characters and everything that's happened to them up to this point. So very good, very good show. I really, really recommend it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of the catch-up to this week. Not much else to say there, so let's join the podcast already in progress. He is your favorite Roman, and you can always find him on the rocks, and that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. So, um, normally I ask you what you're drinking, but it's 10 a.m. in the morning where you are. Are you (laughs) drinking something, James? I absolutely am drinking something, man. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Come on. (laughs) Um, what do you got? No, so uh, today, uh, actually, I've got my morning cup of Joe here. So oh. I, I made a cup of coffee, and I actually have uh, a Jameson cold brew coffee whiskey. Um, so it just it's coffee on coffee with whiskey in it, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no. There's got to be whiskey in there somewhere if it's here. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. So how have things been going for you since the last time you were on? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, you know, trying to I, I as my friends put it, uh and, and I won't go into the very long version, but the very simple version that I thought was a lot funnier is my job status right now. It's kind of in this weird limbo where I'm like Schrodinger's job. So I both have a job and I don't have a job, but we're not really sure if there is a job. So <laughs> that's where right. I'm at right now. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Um I thought that you had everything taken care of and you were you definitely had a job. Um, kind of, sort of, they decided to shut our branch down at the end of September. And so now I'm just kind of it, like the new job that I applied for mm-hmm. is like in this weird limbo space right now. Cause <laughs> I just literally don't know what's happening. And I don't think the lady who was the hiring manager, I don't think she knows what's happening. Cause she was like, Oh, it'll be a few days. And then like the branch manager who has to requisition the position was like, it takes like two to three weeks. And then she got back to me again and she was just like, so there was a delay. It'll be another few days. I was like, is it a few days or is it a few weeks? I'm, I'm lost right now. I mean, as long as I get a job at the end, I'm happy. By the time end of September rolls around, let's do that. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's important to have the new job by the time the old job ends up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess if uh, if that doesn't work out, uh, I'm just going to have to go sell myself on the corner for some <laughs> sort of debate about I don't know what, but I'll debate it. You can make money doing that? Because I, mean, I will totally, I will totally do that. Then, like, I'll quit my job if I could make a living just like debating people on stuff. <laughs> just here, put five dollars in the can. Right. You get five minutes. Let's go. <laughs> I'll discuss anything and argue it, like whether or not you know we were just joking about like Twilight before we started recording. And I was like, I don't want to do a podcast on it because I don't really know much about Twilight. But oh man, if like somebody will just wants me to argue with them and they'll pay me to do it, I'll come up with stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right um well anything like fun or good going on in your life james um yeah you know uh still keeping up with the game thing i just uh i just finished uh the game ghosts or not ghosts it's only one guy so it's just a ghost uh ghost of sushima um which 
Uh, it was a fantastic game. Um, probably one of the best of the PlayStation generation. Now that we're at the end of the PlayStation generation, <laughs> um, we're getting ready for the new PlayStation generation with PS5. But yeah, I just wrapped that game up, and uh, I'm I'm taking on a few other games that I just kind of left behind, uh, Gears 5 on Xbox. And yeah, so it's just been uh, kind of catching up on a little bit of a backlog catalog of games I owe some time. All right. Well, cool deal. Yeah. It is good to have you back on the podcast, James. Always good to be back. All right. And next up, you know him as the guy that hates Pluto. He is the man that you love to hate. And that is Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, you know, uh, hanging in there. Um, ups and downs from Houston. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Houston, do we have a problem? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, like things are actually improving but it's everyone's holding their breath because school's about to start so yeah mm. you know? so yeah um it's, it's good times. but what does that matter to you though because you don't have kids this is, well, first of all it's called community spread nathan oh, i yeah. am a part of the community <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i mean, yes, I, mean I, I am worried about it believe me but you know it's a <laughs> It's just it's a it's it's a weird sort of moment. Like um, at work, we're we're ramping up research. where they're talking about getting mice experiments going again, and I'm like, mm. guys, maybe just hold on another month or whatever. Let's just see how this goes. Because I'm like half the people in my lab all have kids, so yeah, mm. I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. It's gonna be interesting. You know? Well, but, hey, um, Russia solved it, right? Hey, there you go, Sputnik Five. It's all good now. Problem solved. <laughs> 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 I I I personally between you and me and the NSA listening right now I I personally think you know Putin is a great guy um you know I look forward to 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 his fifth term for life <laughs> oh man yeah yeah they're they're doing the same thing venezuela did where they're like revising their constitution so that he can just be president for life yeah pretty much you know yeah (laughs) i don't know what your numbers are in russia so this could be good this could be bad it's like it's like every american's ranked on a list somewhere in russia as far as like the the killing priority anyway um project insight right yeah exactly all right so so, okay besides besides covid um anything else going on for you ryan uh you know uh i mean literally it's work and i can't go anywhere or do anything so i'm like i said I'm, i'm getting great exercise i'm getting like i think this is muscle definition i don't know i've never had it before so i can't really say you could know? <laughs> just be getting old you know? okay. <laughs> I but I, did you know you have these bones like in your torso i think they're called ribs this is all new to me <laughs> i don't know <laughs> okay all right well i mean certainly with covid i mean you you've been your home all the time you have time to watch more tv right and that's true. I, I am. I mean, um, uh, probably not the stuff you want me to watch. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ever watched Black Lightning yet, Ryan? It's. I'm getting to it. <laughs> the, Three the, years the, of I'm getting to it. The issue is, is that I, I have. There's, there's, there's a two party system in this, in this home, and. I'm the minority party in pretty much everything. <laughs> it's like, what do you want to watch? Okay. And, and I say, well, I want to watch this. And I hear, yeah, but what about that? And I'm like, okay, I guess we're watching that. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
Well, well, hey, though, I mean, somehow you've convinced her to watch Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, and all that stuff, right? And Batwoman, too. So so how is Black Lightning so hard? It's going to happen. It's just like, (laughs) right now, right now, we're, we're, um, we're, we're binging the blacklist because we stopped watching it like season three. And then now we've got to catch back up. And in fairness, somewhere after spoiler, they kill a main character. It got good again. So I, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not hating it. And umbrella Academy. I mean, every, no one on the, no one on Facebook will shut up about it. So I feel like I'm, I, we're watching that as well. You know? That's one of the reasons why watching star girl became a sudden priority for me. Cause yeah. I'm like, I, I, I'm getting way too much like bombarded from all sides. So yeah, I need we, to watch we, this show. So I don't like know everything about it before I've seen it. There so. you go. We binge Stargirl. We just finished that too. So yeah, so mm. exactly. You know. Okay. Are you watching it uncut? No, uh, we're watching it through the CW app. Ooh, no, I'm okay. missing a whole seven minutes. I'll live. <laughs> 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 I figured I was gonna because you know I kept saying that once everything came out, like they at least did all their shows for one season. I was gonna get the DC Universe app just to like binge through everything. So it's also gonna be Titans and Doom Patrol yeah. and Young Justice. Oh. So I'm just gonna cycle through it there all you know. and then drop DC Universe. There, there's another one, Doom Patrol. I'm caught up on that, you know. So, mm. the, yeah. So that's on HBO Max. Um, but yeah, you know, okay. so once once they move, or once they migrate all their DC stuff to HBO Max, like I'll catch up on Titans and all the others too. So you know, I I, I will get around to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's just a matter of a uh, of. I don't mind missing, you know, the the additional five or six minutes or whatever from Stargirl. It's not like it's. And it's a DC, it's a Berlanti DC show. It's I, I'm pretty sure that I can follow the story along, even if I miss the, you know, <laughs> the uh, I'm just, I'm just a completionist. I got to have everything. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> I'm the guy who gets the director's cuts because I can't stand that there were 20 minutes that were cut from the theatrical version. I got to see what, what was there. And depending, like if there's, I've watched every cut scene from Endgame, you know, mm-hmm. it, depending on what it is, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. The DC universe, as much as I enjoy it for the brain candy, it is not something that I <laughs> am, you know, feel the need to just like, like for instance, I've, I should probably, if time ever permitted, I'll go back and rewatch all these series. Cause I bet Arrow season two still holds up mm. three, three and four, maybe not so much, um, <laughs> but you know, that this is just, I don't, that's so far down my list. You know? sure. <laughs> I don't need to do it, but I enjoy it, you know, mm-hmm. for what it is. Okay. Not a completionist on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Ryan. Good to be back. And next up, we have someone brand new to the show. Yes, I know. It has been a long time since we've got somebody new to talk about the CW stuff. Um, She is someone that I met through a Dragon Con panel where we were talking about, no surprise, the uh, DCCW stuff. And that is Cami Ray. How are you doing, Cami? Welcome to the 42 cast. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Yeah. And so why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a super villainous. That's just my day job. Um, in the evenings, I like to bake. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to know about me? Uh, that's fine. Um, what is your favorite fandom? Uh, unfortunately, I would say DCCW stuff. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really predictable. Uh, I'll say the Arrowverse, but did you know they just recently started referring to it as the CWverse now? Yeah, I saw that. I'm so offended. I took that personally. I'm yeah. Aff- I am offended. Arrow was my OG. So I guess if I had to pick a show from there, I'd pick Arrow. Um, I, I did recently sort of 
pour myself out and finish Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, mm. Cheated on the DC CW universe there, but that's okay. Um, Marathon Stargirl, really enjoyed that as well. Umbrella Academy was mentioned. People who won't shut up about Umbrella Academy were mentioned. That's me. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. So, so you, even though DC is your primary fandom, uh, you also watch the Marvel stuff and that kind of That's stuff. That's a nicer way of putting it than me okay. saying that I cheated on DC. Uh, okay, right? sure. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do watch a lot of the other uh, shows and, and I've, I've actually watched most of the Marvel shows as well, but DCCW, I wouldn't say that that's sort of my favorite in terms of quality. It's just, it, that happens to be what I get addicted to. I don't know. I'll, well, I'll there's so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be like a, you know, it's like every year it's like, oh, we just did like three more spinoffs, you know? <laughs> right. But I'm here for all of them. And I'm here for all the ones that haven't got picked up as well. Shout mm. out Green Arrow and the Canaries. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am still sad about that. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, unfortunately, we already wrapped up our Arrow uh, retrospective, but uh, definitely there's going to be tons of CW content uh, coming out over the, the next year. So um, yeah. we'll definitely have you back on for more of these. Um, I would love to. But uh, all right, well, it's good to have you on the show, Cammy. Thanks, happy to be here. All right, and so uh, next up, uh, Ryan and James, you know what's coming, um, and Kay, this is going to be a new for you, but I do something that I call five-minute controversy, which is just a way for us to talk about something else that's going on um, in the geekosphere and uh, sort of loosen us up before we talk about our main topic. And uh, this week, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the news that broke, I don't know, probably about a month ago, about um, Hartley Sawyer's tweets. Um, now, it's kind of ironic because it came out about a week after we recorded our Flash retrospective for the year, um, where we were all gushing about Hartley Sawyer and uh, about how much we loved him and we loved the chemistry uh, that he had with, um, uh, with the woman playing Sue. And um, it, was, it was so great and we really loved everything they were doing. And then those tweets came out and it was like, oh, Oh, and they were bad. I don't know if everybody's read them, but um, I read enough and it is really bad. And um, so he has been let go from the flash. Um, now, this kind of creates a problem um, because this whole season has been setting up Ralph as he's the successor to the flash. And, you know, there was all the stuff with um, Sue going on and it's kind of, you know, and they also, of course, had, um, Ruby Rose exit Batwoman the same year for completely different reasons. Uh, but they decided in that case to recast, or not to recast, but to create a completely different character. So my question is with Ralph and because of the way that they have set up his character, does it make more, cause they haven't announced what they're going to do with the character. Um, would it make more sense for them to just write him out? Um, or with the fact that they have been setting him up this season as such an important and integral part should they recast um so i'm kind of curious about everybody's thoughts on that so um why don't we start with you on this one ryan yeah i mean i won't get into the whole meta issue there about you know 
what he said and what he did. Um, right. Suffice it to say that it's it's just back to James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and there have to be you know consequences for our, for our actions. Except Gunn um, had none. <laughs> I mean, like, no, he did. He uh, did. He did not. And basically, yes, DC welcomed him with the second Marvel dropped him. DC welcomed him with open arms and said, "Come over here and make movies for us." And then Marvel said, "Oh, you know what? Crap. DC's got him. Let's just welcome you back with open arms." So <laughs> no, the Gunn thing was just because he was popular. It all got erased, and and I'm, this isn't what this one is about, and I don't want to get into this, but I am really angry about the gun situation. But anyway. I, I, again, I, I won't devolve it into that, but I disagree. I mean, otherwise we would have had Guardians three by now. Um, oh, so it was delayed for I don't know a year or two. Oh well, you know, man. You know, when I see the first trailer, I'll believe. You know, no, I agree, it's going to happen, and but right. I do. There were consequences, albeit maybe they weren't. And honestly, I think I agree with you about the DC part, but that DC saw an opportunity and they took it. Maybe that's good business, but it's bad morals. But anyways, <laughs> uh, swinging back to what to do with the character right. uh, of um, of um, Hartley's character, uh, I, I, you know, he, the dude's a shape changer, or he can change in shape. So I'm all for recasting it. There's literally no reason they can't have him you know, for for a. A case change shape into someone else and then get stuck in that form. Right? It's kind of no different than what they did with Charlie in um, Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's you know that she's that's not her original form, but she's stuck with that when she got stuck there. So just do the same thing here. I think they've invested too much time and in, into the character and expanded him with additional characters, even uh, as you've mentioned, um, to just throw it all away over this. I, I agree. As much as I love the actor, and I can separate the person from the character um save the character ditch the yeah save the character ditch the the actor that's my feeling uh cammy what do you think i mean mostly i would really hate to lose sue deirdren in the process Mm -hmm. so i'm all for recasting and he's right it's it's a shapeshifter and this would not be the first time the cw has recast people who are or characters who are shapeshifters of some kind where you can kind of explain it away i would say recast him but don't try to match looks at all recast him as somebody who looks totally different that way it's sort of not this awkward you know you have to take a double you know glance to see if they're trying to just make him look the same really lean into the recasting and explain it as some sort of shape-shifty adventure he did that got him stuck in a different form and then go with it and prioritize the chemistry that he had with Sue Deirdrin I would say because that was what was really starting to sell the character for me I I think this is an unpopular opinion but I actually was not a fan of Elongated Man at first I thought he was kind of cheesy and corny and just sort of ugh you know and <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, no, no it's, but that's the Flash as a series. It's sort of a cheesy, corny series. Oh, so it's a kind of a different. Strongly agree. Ten out of ten. It's it's gotten cheesier too, and I I think that was kind of the thing is when Elongated Man came on, it was already at a point where some of the aspects of the Flash, like the romance and so on, was just like, oof, this is a lot for me, and I'm a fan of this stuff, you know. <laughs> like, so when they were able to sell me on if nothing else the ability of the series to actually write a romance that doesn't you know kind of bore me to death yeah with with ralph and sue i don't want them to lose that so i think that's a critical part of his character and if they can get somebody to come on and replicate that vibe no pun intended then yeah recast him yeah so it's i'm kind of curious because i haven't had a chance to talk with you about this one before 
do you feel the same way about um, that the CW should have just recast Ruby Rose as Batwoman? I don't actually. Okay. And for a couple reasons, I think Ruby Rose as Kate Kane slash Batwoman really captured that character in a very specific and interesting way, wherein if somebody else tried to come in and play Ruby Rose's Kate Kane slash Batwoman, they wouldn't be able to get the same vibe that she had. She had this sort of grumpy, moody, almost like it, something very early Oliver Queen about mm. her. You know mm. what I mean? She the, the whole moving from woman to woman thing that she did as well throughout the season, I felt was very early era superheroes, right? When they, mm. like Oliver Queen, when he was right. back in his Playboy days, there were certain aspects of that that I think if they just came in and had somebody, you know, oh, suddenly she, you know, the, the face swapper swapped her, whatever, they would be so noticeably different because they wouldn't have the same vibe. Whereas with Ralph, I feel they changed the writing of him several times. That's when I started to like him, the last incarnation of his writing, even though it was the same character, when they started to incorporate this romance with Sue. So if they can just capture that, they can continue to change the writing because I don't feel they've established one specific tone for him. I've only liked the tone in the later episodes. Ruby Rose was such a specific tone that'd be hard to replicate. Okay. Yeah. Um, although you keep mentioning this as if it has to be an in-canon face change. Uh, and with Ralph, I would agree that would be the best way to go. But I mean, it's not what, like the CW has not had precedence of, you know, just pretending that somebody is completely different. <clears throat> Sarah Lance, <laughs> um, who in season one of Arrow and the flashbacks would look completely different. Uh, from how Sarah Lance was from season two onwards. So, um, um, yeah, and then and then they even, like, changed the flashbacks when he flashed back to the same moment, and it was the Katie, you know, uh, version of the of the character. So, yeah, they, they, they've done the, that kind of switch before as well. Um, but, uh, James, what do you think about uh, the Ralph situation? It breaks my heart. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, as you said, it was like we, we did that cast, and we were just like, oh, my God, he's so great. Um... And then it was just like, oh, cool. More disappointing 2020. Um, yeah, I I agree as far as um, recasting. Um, and, and and that's something Cammie was saying, where I was in the same boat as you, Cammie, where when Ralph first sh showed up, I was like, oh my God, I don't. I don't know if I can last through any <laughs> character if this is if this is how he's gonna be a hundred percent of the time. But like a fungus, he just grew <laughs> really did. Um, I couldn't get rid of it. No, I, I did end up loving Ralph like in the later seasons. And I think a big part of that is like the whole relationship he has with Sue. And I think I think they built that in such a very specific way. Um, and I don't know if it was on purpose by design or if it was an incidental thing and the fact that Ralph Dibney really can't exist without Sue. Like, even in the comics, they're one of the best, like, couples um, mm. in the comics. And so it's just like, so it was one of those where I think she really brought out those better aspects about Ralph. Because even though, yeah, there's that, like, corniness to him, it's a corniness that's endearing when there's, like, that slight seriousness from Sue that's just like, okay, but, like, you're a little over the top, you know? Um, so maybe, like, tone it down a little bit. Um, so I really enjoyed those aspects of it. 
Um, I think, yeah, recasting is, is a great way to go. Um, and and I, I also agree with Cammy that I don't think they should just find somebody who looks similar or anything like that. Um, I kind of did a little bit of internet sleuthing around the web to see what people are thinking as far as if they did decide to recast it. Um, one of the roles I could really agree with is as far as if they chose an actor, because I like him in a lot of other things. Uh, he was Mr. Universe in Firefly. Uh, Jake Johnson. Like, he has a very yeah. similar personality to that kind of a character as far as a lot of other characters he's done. Um, but I've also seen him do, do some, like, deeper, um, thoughtful characters. And so I think he could add, he could definitely bring what we know as familiarity to the character while bringing some other nuances that maybe we didn't get out of Hartley's performances necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, he does and yeah, romance well. He does, and he's not a super tall guy, which I think is, it would just be funny to go from a guy who's a giraffe to <laughs> like a guy who's like average or less or slightly less than average height. That'd be great. But yeah, yeah I think I think they should recast it 100%. I think that would be their best bet. Um, I think if they just wrote the character off, um, it'd really just be upsetting for fans. And it, it kind of be in, I don't know. As a writer, I take a little bit, uh, take it as a little bit of a slap in the face of just like, God, I did all this work. We did all this work yeah. to develop this character. We're just gonna throw it in the garbage can. Ugh. Well, I, I mean, I gotta say, I mean, cause to me, I still circle back to the Batwoman thing. And I mean, my point of view is a little bit different because so much of what they set up in, in Batwoman and then with Crisis with Batwoman is thrown away with getting rid of the Kate Kane version. And the whole idea of Bruce Wayne disappears under mysterious circumstances. Kate Kane, her, his cousin disappears under mysterious, like, it starts getting silly uh, to me. And of course I don't, I don't know how they're gonna like exactly write it in that in the next season but you know i i worry about that and and i don't know i i i worry that that same decision is going to come to the flash that they're going to be like oh we're just going to write ralph out and you know and it's and it's going to feel so jar i mean it's not the first time flash goes from one season to another and things feel very jarring um but it will feel but especially since this storyline didn't even wrap up it would feel even more jarring to just have ralph just like suddenly disappear um, on them. So I'm a little bit worried they're going to go that route. But yeah, I agree with everybody. I would much rather see a recast. I would much rather see the character um, continue. I mean, the hardest thing is going to be to get the same chemistry. You know, because if the new guy uh, does not have the, the, you know, if it doesn't feel the same with Sue, I mean, that's that's going to be a huge downer. You know, because we can all acknowledge that the show is prone to do romance bad, so that's yes. why I'm just bracing myself. Like, please don't <laughs> fail me again. We've been through so much. I mean, I've said it once and I'll say it again. When Barry clicks better with his wife's mirror evil <laughs> doppelganger, <laughs> and suddenly I'm like, oh, I can buy this relationship now. <laughs> There's a problem. There's a problem. And and it's not with the actress, it's with the writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just had a thought. I mean, you know, when mentioning Jake Johnson, like if, if we were to recast, I, I'm, this literally just occurred to me, so I'm still pondering it, but I always loved Eddie, Eddie Thawne. And if they mm -hmm. brought him, if he was somehow to shape change into that actor, you know, to pretend to be Eddie for some other case and then, and then got stuck pretending to be Eddie. I don't know. I, I, I think I, I would 
be down to see how that story played out for a little bit. I really love that idea, but then you'd never be able to have a scene that has both Iris and Ralph in it together because then it would be so potently clear that she has much better chemistry with him than she does with Barry. <laughs> Which is fun in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been wanting them to bring Eddie back for like six seasons now, I mean, and it hasn't happened. I, I don't... I don't think it's going to happen. Iris has been wanting Eddie. <laughs> We're just getting into true CW drama. Territory. Yeah, because I mean, I, we can't go down this path because if we do, I'm going to start talking about how Barry is a brother to Iris and how weird that is and everything Next else. You know, like yeah. none of the guys are wearing shirts. They're all like jacked up. And ripped, and you're like, what's happening? <laughs> Okay, but all right, so that is another five-minute controversy that went way more than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was nice. It was nice that we all agreed on, you know, this <laughs> But, um, all right, but now we're going to, uh, before we talk about our topic, now let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Howdy, this is Cowboy Jim, and I'm here to talk to you about the Cigar Nerd Podcast. Nothing I like more on the old dusty trail than sitting down and listening to two good old boys who smoke cigars and talk about nerd things like movies and TVs and comic books and all that stuff. So saddle up and ride on over to CigarNerdPodcast.com. They're also on the ESO Network. Yeehaw! Like we talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about Supergirl season five. And um, Cammy, I, I know I didn't prepare you for this, but since you're new um, and we haven't heard your thoughts on Supergirl as a whole before now, um, what, what, you know, like, because I know what James and Ryan, you know, we've talked about Supergirl for several seasons now, you know, we kind of know like what everybody would each other think about it. Like the show before you came into season five, what was your sort of overall thoughts on Supergirl as a show? I really like it as a concept, but sometimes it tries my patience. Mm. It, it, I I love Supergirl, the character. I think that she is what they wanted Barry to be, but they mm. keep accidentally turning Barry into a villain. Right. And I think she's truly a hero, right? Mm. You know, she's she's a she's a true, you know, Kara heroism sort of. It, almost concept, if you will, more than a person at times. And I really like the moments where they allow her to be a person, but I think there's some some common stumbling blocks. I, I keep using romance as an example, but mm. it's such an easy example. There's some common stum stumbling blocks that Supergirl has that I can't really fault them for because all of the DCCW shows have it. And, you know, maybe I, I kind of write that off as maybe that's them trying to appeal to a dim different demographic than me, right? I'm mm -hmm. not a teenager, you know, it, that's understandable. But there are some other aspects of this as well that I think they've kind of stumbled up and down on in terms of 
friendship, in terms of how they've represented villainy, in terms of how they've tried to bring in characters and when they give up on characters that have been kind of up and down. I've I've stayed with it. I've stayed current with it. And that's probably the biggest compliment I can give it. Cause I would have, I would have quit the show. I would have quit watching if I truly had disliked anything, but I, I will acknowledge its flaws going into this, mm-hmm. going into the season specifically. Okay. Yeah. I think you're about in the same place that all of us are then because, um, and that's the thing that I hear from a lot of people is like, basically like Supergirl, even if they watch other CW shows, there are a lot of people for whom like Supergirl's like one that they dropped or they never really even picked up. They like started it, maybe saw a few episodes and, and didn't, um, so I, I do think that's kind of an actu- uh, uh, an interesting point. I, for me, Supergirl has picked up in the last, it was season four. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like it was getting better. And, and you, to the, your point about relationships, I loved the fact that there was no love interest in season four. Yeah. I mean, they kind of still hung on to the Monel thing a bit in season four, though, didn't they? I don't recall her really. I mean, they kind of got over that with season three. I don't recall her mentioning Monel, like, or she did. It was very brief. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, and I also kind of felt like putting her against instead of like alien threats putting her up against you know more of you know a racist you know human you know male character also let lent for stronger storytelling um and let her be that sort of like hopeful inspirational character that they've yes. wanted her to be since day one like you say it's kind of they, they kind of she's kind of operating yeah. in the same field as the flash but whereas the Flash tends to be kind of campy and, and, and well, I mean, Supergirl does also kind of tend to be campy from time to time. But, like, you know, there's a little more meat to the problems that Kara can, um, you know, deal with. Whereas Barry, it's just like metahumans. You know? I actually liked when Supergirl gets a bit campy. I think that's one of its strengths. And I think that's mm-hmm. just the nature of being in the super family. Mm-hmm. That it, it's quite common that fa- campy is done a bit better than, you know, it, when I see it done on the flash or even legends, it, it will lose me in a way that Supergirl doesn't. Mm, that's fair. Um, but uh, of course the big thing and, and season five is split into two half seasons. Like a lot of the CW shows are doing now. The big thing is speaking of relationships, we've had the Lena Luther turn at the end of last season after Lex revealed to her that, uh, that Kara was Supergirl. And so I, I would really like your thoughts on, on the whole Lena relationship and what they've been, you know, what they did with her this season. And did you like seeing her become a villain? Did you think that that was bad? You know, like what, what were your thoughts on that? I love the way you phrased that question. <laughs> okay. I also love Lena. So mm-hmm. that helps. I, I think that the relationship between Lena and Kara, as well as Lena Luther and Supergirl, were the two kind of most interesting things in the show so far. And I was thrilled to see that kind of come to the front in season five. But what it is what made season five the most interesting piece. And Lena's my favorite character. I love female villains so much. And I think she's done a wonderful, interesting job. And I would definitely categorize her more as an antihero, not just a villain. But we see her demonstrate heroism and we see her demonstrate villainy as befitting an antihero, right? And seeing them truly kind of separate and almost dichotomize the two relationships there between two characters who have almost alter egos was really, really fascinating and interesting to me. I was happy that, spoilers, by the end of 
season five, we see that Lena is not just going full Luther villain, Mm -hmm. but I'm happy that they also dabbled with it and that we got to see what it would look like if she did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting that she felt that she was doing a good thing for everybody while doing the same thing that, you know, Lex is always doing also. So, so it was like, I, I liked watching that slippery slope uh, also as she just sort of spiraled, you know, down. Um, James, what did you think about uh, how they used Lena this season? Um, I really liked it. Um because that was my concern was my concern at the end of last season was going to be that we go full Luther. And I really just didn't want that for the character. I was just like, I think she's, I think she's better than that. Um, that, and I don't need her to go full Luther because I have full Luther and he's wonderful. He's amazing <laughs> at what he does. He's the best Luther. We'll, we'll, um, we'll get to him when we talk about the second half. We'll I know, I know. Okay. but I don't. I, but I didn't. I didn't need her to be a segue to him, or mm-hmm. be like the 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 second to him, or try to be more than him. Like I never wanted that for Lena um, because she is unique. Um, I think the dichotomy of the struggle of her friendship with Kara. Um, with Supergirl. I thought all of those things were really great. And I think how everything kind of came to that tipping point. Um, I mean, recently for my own life, I've kind of gone through a a friendship overhaul where uh, I could, in, in looking back, I could very much sympathize with like, her upset and her anger. Um, and a lot of the things she was going through where it was just like, this isn't a balanced friendship. I've always trusted you. I've always Mm -hmm. been forthcoming with you and you didn't do the same for me. And and that's really like the truth of how that would, would, should have worked out. It's like a friendship really should have that balance where both parties can trust each other. So I, I like what they've done with Lena thus far. Uh, She was another one of those characters that early on, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like her um but i generally in the cw world i generally have that feeling about a lot of characters (laughs) that they introduce where i'm like i don't uh, (laughs) this is your first season let's just let's just see where you go from here um because i and it's always that way where like they have to feel their way out with the character to figure out Mm -hmm. what they want out of it um so i i appreciate that they made her um that kind of antithesis of she wants to do the right thing, but she's very much a human being who sometimes like looks too close to the sun and, and she, she makes mistakes. She's a fallible individual. And some of those times those mistakes are huge and they're big, but you know, if she continues to grow and overcome them and be a better character, like I think she'll just be fantastic. I think, they can continue much further on with her relationship with all of her little dichotomy of friends that are all superheroes. Well, I mean, Lena is interesting because she's been betrayed time and again throughout her life, right? I mean, this is something, it's not just like, oh, I was just perfectly fine. And then my friend betrayed me and now I'm going to go into the supervillain like thing. It's like, you know, we saw, you know, they they developed the relationship. They've shown us her family life before now um, with, um, with, um, oh God, I, I should have had the IMDb page pulled up um, or the, <laughs> the new character, um, the the new head of CatCo, Yeah, Andrea, um, you know, and her relationship with her and, and, you know, all the stuff that's gone on there, you know, all of that. 
you know, I like the fact they set up that this is someone who has been betrayed time and again throughout her life. And they've done, I mean, actually, the Lena story is the longer game than I've ever given them credit for because they introduced the idea that this would happen in season two because when Lillian found out that Kara was Supergirl, she said, I'm not going to tell Lena. She said, you're going to sabotage this all on your own. And when she finds out that you were really Supergirl all this time, she will hate you. And I've been waiting. See, like, I'm like, they just forgot about that line because they're not doing anything with it. And they finally did it. And I was like, it works so well because they let it take years. It wasn't just like, oh, season three, episode one, like Lena finds out Gara's Supergirl. And it's like, you know, we've only known each other for a few months, you know, but this is years of friendship. And so I like that. I like that they did that. Um, and the, the other side of it is they finally gave us the background for the friendship. Cause that's the thing I've been harping on all these years is the friendship seems so goofy. They were like, they went from zero to besties in like five minutes and <laughs> you know, and I was always like, this is so weird. She's this corporate CEO and there's just this reporter she talks to one time and then they're like having lunches together and like everything else. I'm like, it's just really weird and I don't get where this came from. But then here they finally get us the flashbacks. This is what happened. These are all the steps that happened and why she, you know, sort of took to this person, you know, so soon. And I really like that. I just wish those scenes had been in season two <laughs> so that it would have felt more natural. I'm going to be honest, Kara and Lena's relationship to me makes much more sense once I've just started seeing it as a romance. Mm. It just, from a, from a plotline perspective, all of their beats, all of the points where they feel close or betrayed. Mm-hmm. I know that the show doesn't see it as a romance. It's fine, whatever. But from a plot perspective, from a writing perspective, it's essentially an unacknowledged romance a lot more than it's a friendship because you are right that it does not necessarily follow a true friendship storyline. And their flashback scenes, frankly, did not follow a friendship beat cute either. It read like... A romance. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, it probably makes more sense than her and Jimmy. So, yeah, um, I guess either one. Actually, I was gonna. I was thinking of Lena, but it's like either one and Jimmy. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan, what what are your thoughts on on how they handled Lena? Well, you know, uh, suddenly I'm wondering if uh, if it had been on the the dc streaming service and we had the extra seven minutes if you wouldn't have gotten those scenes so (laughs) maybe maybe you're right maybe i'm missing something (laughs) not being a completionist um look i've I've always liked kira knightley jr um she's uh, she's been good for the role and and i but her up until this season her trajectory has been I, yeah, I felt pretty obvious. I mean, literally, I think I even mentioned to you that uh, they're going the Smallville route. It's literally just going to be, we're besties, we're enemies, we're frenemies, we're, you know, back and forth. And and I felt like that was solid, solidly where they were going until, the, until John Cryer nailed it as Lex. I'm going to echo everyone else there. Putting him there gives Lena perspective. You know, it's basically she's now she's she's got the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Kara and Lex. And so she can see she can make it she can make a clear choice about what path she wants. And it makes her character much more fascinating, much more interesting to watch because she's suddenly morally interesting in a way that just her slow descent into villainy wasn't. It was it was it was tropish in a way that now it's just um, 
it's just fun to watch. It's just suddenly it's been elevated to a whole nother um, complexity. Well, we didn't even mention though, for the whole first half of season five, she thinks she murdered Lex. She doesn't know the monitor came in and revived him. So like, all this stuff that she's dealing with is on top of her, like the whole thing where she's like, no one can be trusted, not even me, even I need to be controlled and everything else. This is part of her guilt also at killing her brother. And yeah, you know, you can rationalize everything and I'm sure she does. But then at the same time, she still feels this guilt that she murdered her brother and that this is why she wants a world with no violence. Right. That's the whole point of what she's trying to do. And so that, that gave her a real motivation other than, you know, just beyond the, well, Kara lied to me, <laughs> you know, thing that a lot of the CW shit, like, let, let's not, you know, <laughs> let's ignore the fact that almost, or, or I think probably all of the CW shows have done the so-and-so yeah, lied to me, so now I hate them, you know, storyline, you know, even even Arrow season two, you know, as much as I love it, had the <laughs> mother, we are through, you know, scene, so. <laughs> Again, uh, it's, it's the CW. I, I, it makes you wonder if it were still in CBS, if we would, if it would be that, that CW. I, I don't right. know, but uh, yeah, I mean, but it's you know, it's Luther one hundred and one mm-hmm. to to indulge megalomania in in the guise of saving humanity, right? I mean, even mm-hmm. Lex thinks he's the hero and that he's saving humanity and saving the Earth from these aliens. So, uh, Lena, the fact that Lena channels her guilt and her sense of betrayal into what she perceives as doing a good uh, even if it comes at the cost of free will is, is not surprising at all it's, you know <laughs> well the thing that's interesting though and the thing that lex would never have done though is she wants to put herself under the same thing like yeah. she she's saying like everybody including myself whereas lex would always be like I'll be myself. Everyone else can be controlled, <laughs> which is why when Lena was working with Lex this season, I just kept shaking my head because I'm like, Lena, he's helping you with your project because he wants to be like in control of everybody. That's it, you know. But um, that's what makes her different from him. Yes, right, exactly. Um, the thing that kept disturbing me, and I don't know if anyone else noticed this, Andrea Brooks was so obviously pregnant this season like they didn't even try to hide it (laughs) and so when she kidnaps eve and is like you know putting like you know erasing her brain and uploading a computer into it i'm like are we just not going to address the fact that eve was obviously pregnant and you're doing this to like you know an expectant mother and nope they never acknowledge it and crisis does away with it so you know we're 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 not gonna you know worry about that at all but i found that to be the most disturbing thing that she's like experimenting on a pregnant woman (laughs) it's like when just like doesn't even acknowledge it or you know say anything about it well uh, you know who's whose child is it lexus i mean you know, well that's what i that? wonder too and they done it. that's the thing usually in shows when one of your main cast like is pregnant like you, you either incorporate into the storyline or you shoot around it right you only shoot from like you know the neck up or whatever but they kept showing her super obviously pregnant on screen and i was just like what uh you know and, and it was just weird to be so surreal that they didn't say anything about it or even acknowledge it in the writing I really wish they had written it in because I think that's a character where there is like an interesting storyline to be had with her being pregnant. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you contrast that with The Flash, you had Caitlin Snow slash Killer Frost played by Daniel Panabaker, who was also very pregnant this season. And they just 
didn't show it. And I thought that made sense there because there wasn't really a storyline to be had by having Killer Frost slash Caitlin Snow pregnant, right? Like there mm-hmm. that that doesn't add to the show. With this, with Miss Tessmacher, I feel like there was some potential. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. No, I thought so too. And I was wondering even if they were going to do something really weird, like when, when she gives birth, the computer program goes into the baby or something like that. And it was going to, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what, but no, they just didn't acknowledge it. Um, I'm also glad though, that, um, I mean, that they, that, that based on Melissa Benoist's pregnancy, that they didn't try to incorporate that into the storyline because oh, I kept worrying we were going to have the pregnant Supergirl storyline. No. and. <laughs> And, like, it was going to be something, like, maybe, like, Alex, because she wanted a kid, was going to get, like, in vitro, but then she couldn't carry it to term, and they had to put it in Supergirl, and it was going to be, like, you know, like, you know, you can carry it to term for me, Kara, and, like, something weird like that, and I was just like, no, I don't want this. So, that's probably the best case scenario. The other idea would be to have her get knocked up, and I didn't like that either, so. Agreed. Because she hasn't been with any, like, one character long enough for, honestly that to make sense mm-hmm. in my opinion no hey krypton physiology okay <laughs> <laughs> kryptonian pregnancy can last three years okay? <laughs> although with crisis and there being like this odd like merge across characters maybe there's a way to try to explain it that way i i don't know right. i i was really wondering if they'd write it in but i suspected they wouldn't and they didn't thank god right and, and yeah now because of how the season's going to be shot they're able to skip it entirely so it's not going to affect things going forward um and the other the other new character that we got um in the first half was jean's brother um played by phil lamar of all people (laughs) which was kind of like cool to me because i was like oh my god phil lamar (laughs) um i didn't really care that much about the character though um i don't know how do you guys feel about uh about uh jean's brother james let me start with you this time they didn't give me enough to care. Um, mm-hmm. I know what they were trying to build on. Like it made sense where they were just like, and and I don't know. They they <laughs> it's it's verging on the borderline of a trend for John Jones now, where it's just like, oh, he's the Green Martian and all his people are dead. But wait, his dad's alive, <sighs> and then like he dies, and then it's like, but wait, he has a secret brother he didn't even know about who's alive. And I'm like, what other family members are like hidden in a bunker somewhere that he doesn't know about at this point? This is the thing I have a problem with with both Kryptonians and Martians. They keep turning up more of them and it always <laughs> annoys me because I'm like, there's a lot of really cool storyline to be mined with. You are the last of your kind. <laughs> right? right? So- and, 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 and then, yeah, you just keep like throwing it away. Not nah. Yeah, John, well, John, John having to deal with being the last of his time. That doesn't worry about that. Oh, I know. Well, and so it was like there was that, and they just and and it was to a certain degree. And I know this has kind of hit the internet fairly recently. Um, it it was something that I I felt a little similarly with it was like oh hey we brought in this guy who's a really great voice actor and he's actually done voice work for dc before for numerous characters Mm. it's phil lamar and it was like cool phil lamar and he's actually a good actor and Mm. then it just felt like they did so little with him i felt the same way with kevin conray i was like there's so much more you could have done with this and you just didn't do enough. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I, they didn't give me enough to care about his brother. And so it was just one of those where I was like, yeah, I mean, if he just disappears, whatever, that's okay. I guess. I, don't know. I I'm shocked. They brought, um, 
a McGon back. I mean, I know I'm getting yeah, ahead of myself well, to the second half, but like, because he was another character that was like, okay, we go through this whole cycle of, you know, pretend green, there's more green Martians, that it's really not. But then it's like, but then we completely write her out. So the whole thing was pointless. Um, so I was actually really <laughs> glad to see them acknowledge a character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, Cammy, uh, thoughts on, or, or do you have any background with Phil Lamar at all? Cause I mean, to me, that was the most exciting thing about Jean's brother, but I'm just curious. Like, yeah, we go way that? back, went to middle school together. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I like the storyline, but I think they consistently do a bad job of integrating John's storylines into the regular show. So it just mm. feels like this fun little sideshow that I also enjoy, but it never really feels like a part of Supergirl. And I think they know that because in recent seasons, they've tried to overtly tie it to the main storyline in some way. There'll be some sort of conversation of, oh, this happened to you. It's just like what happened to me. So they'll try to parallel it, but it doesn't feel truly integrated. It often feels like a whole other world. I mean, which makes sense, right? Martian, mm-hmm. etc. But something about that, I would really like to see them not just integrate John into the rest of the team and the storyline, which I think they've done a better job in, but also integrate his storyline into the regular show such that it doesn't feel like I'm flipping between two different shows in mm. an episode. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt I felt like ever since season one, maybe season two, like after that, like John, like the whole idea of the John looking at Kara and Alex as his daughters has been mm. like dropped. Like they, they might mention it once or twice, but like he doesn't seem to have the same sort of like fatherly sort of relationship with them it's more of just like a buddy, you know, kind of thing. He kind of has a bit of a paternal vibe with Alex, but not mm. often with Kara. Mm. Okay, I can see that. But but yeah, I mean, and the thing is, David Harewood Her- is such a good actor. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he could carry his own show, I think. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the problem is they're trying to give him his own storylines because it's like you, he's a quality enough actor that he can, you know, pull off, you know, some things on his own. But then at the same time, that it feels disjointed from Supergirl because you have like the day show. I mean, it's it's kind of like the opposite of what they were doing um, with with Jimmy and being Guardian because mm-hmm. that felt like a completely different show also. But that right. was with a, something where I didn't care for it and didn't want it in Supergirl because it was so it was so far from anything. And it seemed like they were just trying to give uh, Mechad Brooks you know stuff like a to fourth do attempt at a storyline right exactly right. <laughs> it's like we need to keep his character busy so he can be guardian he can date lena you know <laughs> we gotta give stuff, character stuff to do honestly um, anything would be better than when they had him date lena but in, <laughs> <laughs> in relation to john and david harwood specifically i think mm-hmm. the reason i would like to see him more integrated into the rest of the show is because the cast as well has really great chemistry. He officiated Melissa's wedding, as I understand it. Like oh. they, they are, they're quite close. And I would just, I would like to see more of that on screen. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. He works well with everybody. Whenever anyone shows up, he's always got that sort of like, you know, nice elder statesman. Everybody's kind of looking to him as the voice of wisdom, you know, kind right. of thing. And and yeah, I, I, I've loved Jean since the beginning. Like as soon as he revealed himself to Kara in the first season, um, you know, cause at first they kind of played him as slightly sinister, like mm-hmm. you weren't supposed to know who this guy was that was running the DEO. But then as soon as he, you know, it's like the fourth or fifth episode when he reveals that he's really the last Martian and everything like, and, and then they sort of lightened his character up quite a bit and they, they made him more fatherly towards them. I have been all about, you know, Sean's character and I absolutely love him, but yeah, I want him to be more 
central to to some of these storylines too um ryan uh thoughts on um jean's brother yeah well i mean I don't want to brag, but I did sit next to Phil Lamar at a restaurant once. So I, I, I think that makes me the expert here. You know? I mean, and not just any restaurant, but a revolving uh, restaurant on the top of a hotel. So you did, did you speak to him at all? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> it was actually a uh, very, very weird night because like, I mean, you know, totally, um, you know, tangent, I guess, but on one side of me, so we've got, um, Phil Lamar and on the other side of me was Ed Asner. So mm. it was like, it was like, I, first of all, I, I don't even know what, where to go with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like better. still, can I get them to talk to each other? Cause I would love to see that conversation. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yes. Yeah. But, um, but as far as the, the character of the brother goes, See, I I am so invested in this character that I don't even I'm not even bothering to look up his name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, uh, he was just there as a prop to to give you know John's character another 180 this season because apparently we don't like him as you know pacifist, so we've got to change him (laughs) to this. This is this is the thing. They know they've got a great character, a great actor and great possibilities, but they can't seem to stick the landing. They, they completely revamp him. I mean, I've, I've never met or I've never seen a character go through more, you know, existential crises than this guy. (laughs) Every season is something different. And now Mm. granted he is the not last of his species. (laughs) Still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so basically, the brother was just a prop to to, to change him up. I I agree with Cammy. I I do like that they uh, eventually had the brother land with Lena because that did both. That developed Lena's plot line. Mm-hmm. It developed, you know, uh, Jean's plot, or at least Jean's brothers, and the the overall story of the season. And and it made it work in a way that I, I think. This not that I didn't love um, Jean's father. I thought he was. I loved that actor, and I thought. Uh, the chemistry between him and John, I would watch them just go out, you know, drinking coffee or whatever. Mm. It, that that was great. Um, coffee. Like, coffee. <laughs> but it was isolated. It was like their own little show within a show. Mm-hmm. This this season, they did manage to expand it and make it part of, of the greater show. But I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I honestly think that the character is so great, the actor is so great that that but it's not he's not quite there yet where i feel like he could pull his own show yet um so honestly i would love to see jean land on like legends for a season or something like that you know go explore the galaxy and time and uh yeah develop him develop the character beyond the supergirl universe and then either bring him back or or maybe he can do, do his own show then or something like that i don't know but it's just i feel like he's he's and this now we're talking about Jean, not the brother, but the, it's just emblematic of that. He's wasted in, in Supergirl. Yeah. Well, I mean, they tried doing that also with Wally West to put him on Legends, and that lasted for like a few episodes. And instead, they've well, decided that was other issues. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they decided that instead of making Legends like a show about like pulling together like all the characters that are like interesting but don't get enough on their own shows and turning it into like, you know, like the light occult series, but also with a time machine you know show so i don't i don't even understand what they're doing with legends well it's it's also a matter of like budgetary reasons i mean the the reason we don't get much of john or brother or any mars stories because because (laughs) the the effects i mean was it was it this season i think this season they went with like um 
a prosthetic, it looked like, uh, uh, in part, you know, so, so that he could be green more often. And I'm honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like, fine, just say he's stuck in his human form and that's his natural state now. Whatever. I don't care. Well, but, well I, I mean, yeah, I mean, when he's knocked unconscious, he reverts to the human form yeah. anyway. So I'm, <laughs> I've been like raising, I've been talking about that since they went to CW that I'm like, wait a minute, when he's unconscious, he should be in his Martian form. That's his natural form. But anyway, yeah. yeah so <laughs> Due to budgetary Uh, this is why i'm worried about star girl next season but that's another podcast um (laughs) (laughs) um but uh so um yeah i mean i I think i've already expressed my thoughts about i mean i love the scene that was phil lamar because again that's the day like that goes all the way back to mad tv for me um but then you know all the voice work that he's done over the years too you know um and and so it was great seeing him in an actual physical role you know on a show um, that I watched. So that was nice. But, um, but yeah, um, yeah, Sean, Sean, Oh God. Yeah. You brought up the dad. Like he gets the greatest people to work with also. And, um, but it does feel like sometimes that he's in another show. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I guess we should talk about it just because of, of everything we've said before. And I guess, I guess, um, I should talk to you about it, Cammy, cause I don't really know your opinion. Um, I know James and Ryan and I are all in agreement that um, Jimmy hasn't belonged on this show for so probably since season two um, because it's just they had no idea what to do with him. And so I was kind of happy that they wrote him out. They gave him like a nice storyline and just were like, okay, he's going to go like transform this town, you know, somewhere else and, and, and work for, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, that the, that the news is said and, you know, that, you know, he's sort of forthright on that. And I don't know. What do you think about James and how they uh, wrote him out of the show? I thought he could have been a great love interest and they just did not write him that way. And every single storyline they threw at him got increasingly worse. Yeah. Cause I mean, the way he came off to me at least was that he's this guy. Cause he started out as Superman's pal that has this weird, like Kryptonian fetish. And it's like, I've just got to be near the Kryptonian, you know? And it's like, and now this one's a girl, so I'll date her. And it was just kind of like, okay, this is a little weird. (laughs) Their backstory that they had for him was questionable at best. Mm. But I thought that there was some kind of cute-ish chemistry, I guess, between him and Kara. It wasn't anything that would light my screen on fire. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I could have worked with that, right? I think they didn't know how to write a love interest for her. And truly all I needed him to be was a love interest for her. She is the hero of the show. And we can all think of many shows where you have a male hero and the female love interest for the male hero is mostly just a love interest, right? That's happened many times. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes characters are just there to be love interests. And I think that's what Kara needed. She is a super, you know, she didn't need a sidekick. She didn't need a guardian. She didn't need a guy dating her best friend slash other love interest, question mark. Like (laughs) that wasn't, that wasn't anything that we needed. And it just became, well, James deserves a hero storyline what about the many women who played the hero's love interest who didn't get a hero storyline sometimes a guy doesn't get a hero storyline he didn't need one he got one in the end and it's the reason he had to be written off because that wasn't what we needed from him mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i had problems with how they wrote him from the beginning though because he was stringing along lana 
in the first season, if you recall, yeah. while also having clear interest in Kara. And that right. already got me into the, you know, I, I don't like this. Because it's like, if you want Kara, that's great. Let Lana know it's through. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, pursue that. Um, that Lana's not the right name. Crap. I forgot. It's Lois's sister. It's not Lana. It's Lucy. Lucy. That's who it was. Yeah. Lucy. He was stringing Lucy yep. along. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I didn't like. Of course. And they then after they moved from CBS, they completely forgot that the Lucy character even existed. But that's a whole other. You know what really <laughs> put the nail in the coffin for me when it came to him even being able to be recouped as a love interest and. Mm-hmm in the end was do you remember the oh gosh it was like a cult storyline of some kind where he rescued a girl around his age from it mm-hmm. and all i remember thinking was oh my god he has so much more chemistry with this random cult girl that he just rescued than he has with car and the, the whole time i was willing to go with mediocre chemistry and i was willing to sure. go with cute right mm-hmm. this is a very cute show i'm okay you know they don't have to have that sort of fire situation i mean like it, it, I, I keep using the flash as an example of bad romance but can you blame me but like you know there's other shows that have put the bar on the floor so i'll take anything above that right, right. but when i saw him have fabulous chemistry with someone who i think was in the show for maybe two episodes i was like Ugh, okay we're gonna have to we're gonna have to switch this up don't get me wrong i'm not here for monel i'm not here for any love interest they've bought for her since then but james had every opportunity to be that role and was not that role and i think it was just the writing yeah 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 let's not get into monel right now uh you know they had the best opportunity with him running catco that should have been how they developed him and gave him an identity you know to Mm -hmm. be to be the 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 to explore the journalism aspect of kara and to Mm -hmm. be the antagonist again you know basically he's got to he's got to pull her back and tone her down and and push her towards good journalism you know find a second source stuff like that and they just wasted it yeah i mean they they gave the impression that even though he ran catco for years that he didn't want to be running catco because he was busy doing guardian stuff all the time that he should be running catco yeah no i had oh god i was so hopeful when cat came back at the end of season two that she was just going to kick him out of the office and even just remembering that he like went by the name Guardian and was the Guardian just fills me with rage. In what <laughs> world does a super need a human Guardian? Like, yeah. who are you? On what grounds did suddenly you become God and you're there to guard a super? What? That's so unnecessary. He is there to be a fabulous, interesting character, do awesome stuff on the journalism side, but she doesn't need a hero looking after her like this is supergirl you know mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree and i think it was just because they had a character on that standpoint i don't think it was like a message so much as they had a character from the comics that they could pull out and make it right. into jimmy olsen and that they did that you know because you know it was close enough mm-hmm. um but uh, uh james any additional thoughts or, or have we covered your thoughts on this too no nah, i think you got it Okay. <laughs> I didn't think we had a whole lot to say about that situation. Um, so uh, um, let's jump forward into the second half and then we can pull in other characters also just because some of these things like span both halves. And so um, Lex is sort of the, the, the big thing about the second half of the season and just how much this show has sort of turned around since they found someone so charismatic and 
so evil, you know, to, to play. And John Cry, oh my God, like, I am just so impressed by this man because, like, I did not think much of it when they announced him as the, as the, for the casting. But then last season, he blew me away and he's still doing a wonderful job through Crisis and through the second half of the season, being this guy that you completely buy is both as influential as he is and, you know, but yet does all these horrible things, but it always finds this way of like working around it. Um, so I guess the first question I want to ask about this is, do you think it was good for them to be able to press the reset button with um, Lex by having him replace one of the Paragons and so therefore have a hand in making the new reality? Um, I don't think we started with you yet, Cammy. So, Cammy, yeah, what, what were your thoughts, like, sort of the crisis thing and how we get out of crisis and we find out that Lex has written into it, that his whole criminal record, everything, like, the bad, negative, was just completely erased. So now he can be much more front and center, you know, uh, uh, within his interactions. I actually really liked it. I thought it was a nice mm -hmm. reset. And at the time, I also found it as sort of this initial glimmer of hope that they might not have Lena go full villain. And I really thought that they were going to prior to that. But simply by allowing Lex to be further integrated into the show, to be more present, to be more evil, to be more, you know, everything. And, and at tying some of that mystery to him from, again, from a plot perspective that frees Lena up to be something a bit more complex than just a villain and, and certainly not just another member of the hero team either. So I was really pleased with that. In terms of him as a character, is he the best villain the show's had so far? Yes. But I, I still don't find him to be necessarily more interesting or, um, I guess I'll say, engaging than Lena as a character. And I think that that's a good thing. So the, it, it sounds like a negative, but it's actually kind of a positive. It would be like, you know, they brought Superman onto the show as well, but they were careful to not make him overshadow Kara in any way. And with Lex, they went much further than just sort of having him in there and kind of being the evil voice in Lena's ear. They've had him become a character in and of his own right, but you still didn't have him sort of swoop in and like, well, Lena couldn't do this job, so I'm going to be the evil person, right? Mm -hmm. They allowed her to still shine during that, which I appreciated. Well, he needs her to do certain things. I mean, they're both right. geniuses, but they don't all know the same things the other knows. Right. So that was important because so Lena has her own, like even for Lex, it's not like I can do everything Lena can do. It was, I need your help, you know, and I like having that. how closely tied she was to his ego as well. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really give him much of an ego boost to manipulate or control just any human because he could do that with a lot of people. But if he can manipulate and control Lena, that's a challenge. That's something that, that kind of brings him villainous joy. So that's kind of nice to see. Uh, here, here's something I want to I wanna ask you about because I've asked other people about this and this has been my sort of take on him and I'm kind of curious um, your thoughts. I think he was so surprised when Lena shot him in season four because I don't think he would ever shoot Lena. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the relationship is such that he he likes, he wants Lena to legitimately look to him with respect. Yeah. He, he, he needs that. Like, so like as much as Lena is worried about Lex's manipulations and like how he's, 
you know, within their own family. He, of course, was the one that was the, the natural, you know, the child of both parents and so everything. You know, he, he was always the one that was more respected and had more, you know, things and everything else. And so Lena's got this sort of inferiority complex next to Lex. But I think that Lex desires, you know, like greatly wants her to legitimately look to him as her brother and to think like and to be like Lex no let's work together I want you to be you know I want to be your sister I want to do stuff with you and and it's that that he's always working toward and I don't think he would ever shoot her because he always wants that respect from her you know like he would always try to find a way of just like sidelining her or something until he can get back to trying to manipulate her into thinking you know being the sister again I'll agree with you with one tiny caveat. I think it would be very unlikely that he would shoot her because he'd much rather her be alive and be there to work with him and also sort of boost his ego, right? Mm -hmm. However, I think he would rather have her dead than have her betray him for a super. And that's that's very possible because he also has all sorts of uh, psychological hangups with uh, the Kryptonians, especially. So um, right. I, I can see mind, that. And in his mind, he would potentially it. see that as like him putting her out of her misery as well. Like yeah. the idea of her being willing to work with a super, like he would rather die than do that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think he would, in some sort of weird, twisted way, think he was doing some sort of mercy killing, and also would not want to see her like under a super spell. Mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to put it. Sure. So that's when I think he would kill her. If he was like, she will never work with me and she's sort of too far gone, then he would. But if he thought there was any chance of sort of pulling her back to the Luther Empire, you're right. I, I don't think he would kill her. No. Um, James, uh, what do you think about how, I mean, because the, the, the Luther angle or the Lex angle was what you uh, originally posted on when I talked about doing this episode. So what are your thoughts on how they've reset Lex, do you think that was a good move or did you like it better with the idea he had already had all this history with Superman and, you know, it was well known in the public eye that they originally did with him? Oh man. I mean, there's so many there. there, I mean, I can, honestly, I can make arguments on both sides of the coin, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with my feelings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I, I just, I really, really like John Cryer in the role. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he, he in, in all uh, across the forms of media is one of the best Lexes um, as far as just the way he's represented the character. Um, I think initially it was just weird writing in crisis where like the whole thing was just weird writing. So when they were like, Oh yeah, Lex wrote himself uh, to not be dead. I was just like, I mean, I guess it sounds like something Lex would do, but oh, that was totally time. something Lex would do. Like I, that, I just laughed. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, when just I, saw like, that, I was like, was like <laughs> that's beautiful. Well, and then it was just like, but at the same time I was just like, uh, I mean, would, uh, I mean, he would like all the, all the angles they went for, for what Lex would do for himself. Like, I'm the good guy. I get a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm the best human on the planet. <laughs> oh, but if you were able to write reality, wouldn't you like just make yourself like I am like the greatest person? Like, I, I just thought that was beautiful. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's definitely on that level of like I'm like he's he's that guy for, for to to uh, <laughs> to to cross pollinate here to quote a line from from uh, the latest Spider Man movie. Um, Don't ever apologize for being the smartest person in the room, and that's a hundred percent how Lex <laughs> operates. He never apologizes for being the smartest person in the room because he knows he's almost certainly always the smartest person in the room. Right. Um, and so I, I, I like the element of having a good villain for this series. I think that's what Lex brings to it. Mm -hmm. I think you can definitely make the argument of he, he had all the history of Superman. Like, why did we need to go um, and, and pull him into, it's just like, now we are in an internal battle between Superman, Supergirl, the super family and Lex like that. That's what this kind of shores out a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, I mean, yes, but do we need it? No, probably not. Um, I was a lot more intrigued back when they had like Maxwell Lord show up a few seasons ago. And I was like, okay, Maxwell Lord. He's like kind of in the same person, like spectrum as, as Lex. Let's see where that goes. And then it was, he was really unimpressive. And then it was just kind of over. And I was like, ah, you had a missed opportunity. And I think that's the biggest problem the show has across its villain line is there's never really been a really great captivating villain for me. Like mm. Lex has pretty much been the cake, the icing and the cherry. <laughs> like he's just all of it right now. And, right. and that's really unfortunate because it's just like, eventually I'm going to, as much as I appreciate good villains because good villains truly believe in their convictions, which is what Luther is. I just want somebody else to like step up. And and so I don't know. Part of me is in hope that like maybe with a Superman show that like maybe we'll see Lex like go more that direction and then it'll just go back to the good old like days of soups and Lex and their adventures uh, against each other. And um, maybe do, we'll do, get do, do you want me to tell you like what the word on the street is? about the superman show that's just not happening now <laughs> no 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 no. the show is gonna happen oh okay no, no no the word on the street though is that the villain in the superman show is not going to be john crier it's going to be one of the parallel lexes that you know doesn't have a home now after crisis I, so they're, they're doing their a different version of lex if i didn't have a For desk now. that if i banged my head into it would fall <laughs> apart i would just bang my head into it but okay. um <laughs> Damn, which makes uh, me wonder bad. if they're planning on doing something like killing off the John Cryer Lex and Supergirl because I'm like, why would you pull in another? Oh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But that's its own thing. It's just like, that. okay, so we've we've seen Lex die once, and then we're gonna yeah. kill off Lex again, and then it begs the bigger question to me. It's like, then who done it? Who's gonna <laughs> kill Lex Luthor? Because you have the Paragon of Hope and all that, who's just like, I don't kill, no matter how bad he is. We're just mm. going to lock him up because, you know, that's how DC tends to do things. I mean, not right. saying that heroes haven't killed, but the right. shows tend to very much be on the level of like uh, heroes just don't do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Superman snaps people's necks now. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, again, I know this is like way off, but I was just like, I loved season one arrow. Murder uh -huh. arrow was so good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Ryan, thoughts on uh, on on what they've done with Lex and, and sort of slightly rebooting 
Well, my biggest thought is I wonder why someone who has the power to completely rewrite reality doesn't give himself hair. So that's my <laughs> first question. <laughs> well, the Paragons didn't affect themselves. They just affected everything else. No, Lex affected... Well, I mean, okay, fair enough, I guess. Um, yeah. But... It, it, I, I'm so in love with this character and, and Cryer's performance that I don't even mind the fact that he's only five years younger than his mother. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it works. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, Lillian has access to some anti-aging technology or something. That's all. Yes. I mean, it's... Yeah. And, and Lex doesn't. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he looks no, distinguished. I, there you go. <laughs> dignified. Yeah, Nobel, dignified. Nobel worthy. <laughs> right. He'll start using the anti-aging stuff, you know, when he get, once he starts going, you know, downhill. Yeah. But uh, as far as, like, the reset of making him non- uh, non-publicly villainous I, 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 for the purposes of the story, I like it. I mean, mm. y- y- there are traditionally you've got like two types of Lex Luthor's. You've got your criminal mastermind living in the sewers and you've got your, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the Lois and Clark version. Oh my God. Or (laughs) I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) Or the, uh, um, Gene Hackworth version. Take your pick. Um, was he living in the, it's been so long since I've seen those movies. He was. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Or like an underground, he had a pool. So it was was an underground bunker of some sort. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But uh, I'm sure it was sewer adjacent, you know. Okay. <laughs> or you've got like your businessman, politician, um, public hero uh, version of Lex, and and mm-hmm. and I, when they created John Cryer, or or rather when they name dropped Lex to begin with in um, Supergirl before they even cast John Cryer, they'd established that hey, there, Superman's been around. He's had this history. He's had these villains. Same way they they've done with Batman and uh, Batwoman, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so it's like, well, it just happened off screen. It happened before we came along. Deal with it. And so they've clearly decided to retcon that so that we can have the um, the less obvious, the villainous, the, the machinations of, mm-hmm. of the public figure, Lex. And honestly, I kind of prefer that one because it, it just goes to show like how devious he really is because he's he's so brilliant that he can sway world leaders and get away with it you know you know i mean it, it the the whole the whole underground uh uh running from the law lex is good but it's just it's a little too dimensional yeah it's not quite as compl- complex for me it's not quite as uh, um fun to watch because he's just he's a villain pure you know pure and simple there's nothing else to it so i prefer i prefer the the i'm gonna run for president soon uh, lex yeah, well, I mean, it was fun last season just watching, like, what he was able to do from prison. And, yeah. you know, like, all the ways, like, all the things in previous episodes that all came together. Well, you know, like, when they did that episode that just sort of showed, like, all those little things, you know. That was great. But, yes, you're right. Like, there, there's a lot more that he can do as a public figure. And that's why I think that this was a great decision. Because I sort of lamented the fact last season that because they had already established that Lex had you know had this history of superman and was in jail right now that they were kind of hamstrung by that and this frees them up and in fact i'll even go one better i really wish they hadn't invented the whole jean can just stare at somebody for a second and they remember like another timeline because i would have liked the idea that only the paragons remember and so it's like Jean and, and Kara would be like, lex is a monster and everybody else is like like the scene where they're sitting at the you know when um uh, nia and um 
and uh, and uh, Kara are sitting at the press conference uh, before the Nobel Prize thing. And when, you know, she's just like, oh, Lex Luthor, isn't he so wonderful? And Kara looks like so alarmed. Like, I would have wanted that to be like the season. Yeah. Because I think that that would have been like, like, like she would have had to prove to everybody that no, Lex is really a monster you know, and, and actually go through all of that. They had that for a short amount of time. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that she would have eventually convinced them, but I still, I still feel like there's so many problems with everybody, like remembering the pre-crisis universe that in, in the show and in the flash where like none of the continuity makes sense anymore, but there's a whole other, <laughs> it's a whole other discussion. I'm not getting into that again, but, um, but I think in this case, especially, it would have been a lot more fun to have Lex be like looked at even by a lot of the other heroes as, you know, being like, oh, he's this great, wonderful philanthropist. Why, why do you have any problems with him, Cara? But um, let's talk uh, about um, Dreamer and Brainy uh, for a second, because I recently heard their relationship this season being described as abusive. Um. And I'm not so sure about that myself, but I'm really curious about other people's takes on it. Um, it's certainly the, it's certainly a story idea that we've seen before of, you know, character thinks that he's doing something for, you know, his own good, pushes away people close to him kind of thing, or not for his own good, but for the greater good and ends up pushing people away because it's like, it's better, you know, because the overall I'll achieve some, you know, good thing. Um, but I'm kind of curious about people's thoughts about that just because of the, I heard it described as abusive. So um, why don't you start us off, James? Um, I mean, I definitely picked up on some of those elements. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can say that it was entirely that way. Um, I would have to, I would have to see what those views were as far as like, if they were saying like, no, like the entirety of it for the season was abusive. Cause I don't know if I would necessarily agree to the full extent of that. But no, I definitely... think we're talking mostly about the second half of the season where, okay. you know, Brainy decides that, Oh, I've got to work with Lex and that's the, that's the thing. And you yeah, know. I mean, I can definitely see where, where that comes across because yeah, as, as you said, he makes the choice of like, I have to push away the people I care about and I have to do it in the absolute worst way I can to this person I, I love, which um, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agreed to the extent that the character did so. Um, I thought that there were definitely some points where it went a little far for me, whereas it's like... Do you have to be that way, though? Do you have to be that cold? Because it it was taking it to that level of like, which I I just I don't know. I wasn't sold on it either. Where it was just the whole like, we're broken up, so every interaction we have is always going to be super tense, and I'm going to be an absolute dick the entire time. And I was just like, I that's just a that's not how Brainy naturally is, which. I was like, how are the other characters not picking up on like, something's weird with this one. Why is he suddenly so weird? Um, I mean, he's a normal weird that we're used to, but this, this is like something entirely else uh, because it was, it was such a tonal personality shift. And I know they tried to use the whole, like he took in the other brainies from the other universes um, and that took his inhibitors off and all that and like I know they were trying to to that's why his personality changed and even then after right after all that happened it wasn't a huge tonal shift for the character for me um and that just that's where I was I, I can see where people are like this 
felt more abusive just how much he was just like really just driving driving the nail into the coffin and it's just like dude the, the nail's already hammered in it's flush with the wood now you're just beating on wood like what are you doing um so i could see where they might come up with that uh, i honestly didn't that was one of the low like lowest points of the season for me really was just his character i just did not enjoy and i know that might have been the purpose of the writing was just like you're not supposed to because he's working for lex and mm -hmm. lex is a giant sack of crap because he's <laughs> evil um but i just uh i just really struggled with that particular interaction and i just didn't think the redemption at the end was or, or what was supposed to be the redemption at the end it just didn't feel redeeming it was just like oh like big reveal this is what's been going on and what's happening. And and I can understand why characters would be like, yeah, but you still should have involved us in some way. Like you've hurt a lot of people. And well, it's this typical CW problem is like every, all the big major issues could have been solved by like, you know, a half minute conversation that people just decide not to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, like I said, I could see where people might've definitely felt those elements there. Mm, okay fair enough um ryan thoughts on uh you know if that was an abusive relationship um you know so i've been thinking about it while everyone's been talking and i i, I don't want to invalidate anyone's feelings if they felt it was abusive that's fine i i i definitely get a, a manipulative vibe from it and i guess manipulation is a form of abuse so so i can yeah, i can see it um um I guess from my own experiences or whatever, I didn't pick up on it until it's just not pointed out to me. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still pondering this because it, it is, it, I guess the, the very idea, if you're going to make a deal with the devil, you know, if you're going to work with Lex, that's going to come with consequences. You don't come out of that with clean hands no. um, whatsoever. And it, while I don't necessarily agree with the decisions that Brainy has made, I can't argue that they've had some serious character development with him um, this season and recently. I, I've liked uh, I've liked uh, the fact that he's gotten some focus. I, I, Quinn was okay, but I, I honestly have just fallen for Brainy. Um, now maybe it's Jesse Rath, him and his sister Megan. <laughs> I, they're hilarious. I love them. <laughs> And what <laughs> that was a very nice touch that they brought in the parallel Brady that was a woman that they chose as or they cast his sister. That was very yeah, nice. Yeah, it yeah. really was. But yeah, so and you know, in her show, um being human, uh she he played her brother. So I guess they, they do this a lot, you know. <laughs> at, at oh, okay, quick aside, quick aside. So okay. a, <laughs> sorry, but since <laughs> since we're doing this, okay. at a being <laughs> at a uh uh um is it being human or almost it's being human? Uh, a being human panel at DragonCon a few years back when Megan Rath was the guest, Jesse was also a guest there, or maybe he was just came along with her. And he came out in a wig to play her uh, for the, <laughs> on the panel. So like the other actors come out and Sam Huntington and Sam Whitwer and, uh, yeah, and uh, Jesse Rath as Megan Rath. And it was, just, it was hilarious. You know? But so that, this is not new for them apparently. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyways, back back to the character, back to to Brainy. Mm. Yeah, I, I uh, and I'm really torn about this because yes, I I mean the more I think about, it, the more I do think that there is definitely an abusive component to it. But I also see it as the necessary evil when you're gonna be a bad guy. You know, mm. he chose to be a bad guy, maybe for the right reasons, but that's that's what happens. You know. 
That's okay. like, yeah, it's like getting mad at a, at a mobster for being abusive. You know, I mean, he's a mobster. You know. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair enough. Um, Cami, what are your thoughts on that? I just think it was an a, a lost opportunity more so than abuse, in my opinion. With him being in proximity to Lex, and we know that Brainy is supposed to be this character who can absorb not just information, but also emotions and processes quite quickly and quite well. It would have been really interesting to see, you know, because Lex, one of the defining factors about him is that he's incredibly charming and manipulative, right? It would have been more interesting, but perhaps more devastating to see Brainy become charming and manipulative towards Dreamer. And perhaps that would then end the relationship and it'd be past redemption and perhaps put brainy past redemption as well i i just think that would have been more reflective of his choice to work with lex that would have been a residual side effect and that would have been more interesting than this constant let's just push this wonderful girl away because i i have to because i made this choice and somehow i've convinced myself that it's noble mm-hmm no, that's a very good point. I mean, I wish that they would take some darker turns with their, you know, quote unquote hero characters, you know, yeah. uh, more often anyway. Um, you know, but then I'm often told that, you know, Arrow was the worst CW show and nobody wants darkness in these shows. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. James but... wants darkness. James always wants darkness. <laughs> yes, I know. I do Murder too. Murder Arrow. <laughs> I think all the points which Arrow failed was when they chose not darkness. Yeah. So that's just my statement. No, I, I, you won't find a disagreement from me, but I often find myself at odds with people who like, you know, really, really love like The Flash and or maybe that's their primary like DC show. Um, but uh, um, and, and I'm not casting aspersions on The Flash. I'm just saying <laughs> Arrow was more my on the Flash for you. Don't you worry. Arrow was my, you know, th- like that was my sort of central CW show. Um, yeah, well, same. kind of. Kind of Black Lightning is, you know, also like once Black Lightning came out, I also really gravitated strong towards that. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, all right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I never got abuse out of it because this is such a typical trope. But then maybe that's the thing is I'm just like, in, you know, like so used to the trope of, you know, one, you know, if two people are in a relationship, one of them decides or, or even if it's friendship, it doesn't have to be a relationship. But someone decides that they have to like, you know, pretend to be bad or pretend to do this or that. And they need to just distance themselves from their friends for their own good. They, they create like a fight or whatever to like just like end the relationship and they just feel like oh like you know but I'm doing this for you (laughs) you know mentally and it's but Ryan you brought up a good point it's manipulation and manipulation is abusive so I mean I guess even though it's not like what I think of typically when you think of an abusive relationship even verbal abuse you're right it's more of uh yeah because I mean it's it's a manipulative act so I mean it's sort of inherently abusive on that standpoint so okay fair enough fair enough on that one so uh yeah let's talk about um let's talk about um oh god my brain all right uh yeah let's talk about alex um because uh you know i've i you know alex was one of the characters who when the show started i felt like was really strong i really loved the relationship with kara and the idea that she's always had kind of a chip on her shoulder because once kara came into her life 
you know, like, you know, Kara became like the, the center of attention, you know, oh, it's this alien child we have to take care of. And everything sort of started revolving around Kara. So she felt kind of sidelined, you know, and they, you know, pretty much after season one, they went a completely different direction with the character. They made her the head of the DEO. And, you know, they've tried building her up more in, in that standpoint. They even gave her like some future tech and some stuff like that to make her more of a traditional hero type character. Um this season, I felt like she was horribly sidelined. And until like the very end when she starts living out her sort of fantasy of being Supergirl um, in the virtual world, like didn't have like a whole lot to do. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel like more so than Jean, who at least I feel like gets good story stuff, even when he's being sidelined, I felt like there wasn't like a whole lot of meat on what Alex was getting. And do you guys... Do you guys agree with that? Um, let's start with you this time, Cammy. I, I do agree with that. And I think that by having even her, you know, fantasy in the simulation, whatever episodes still revolve around the concept of Supergirl and her being a superhero like Supergirl is sidelining her within her own special episode. But based on the background, I sort of get why that would be because she always felt like her parents cared more about Kara than her. And so I sort of get that psychologically. I do, but I feel like they've addressed that in prior seasons and I don't want that to be the only thing that, okay, every single time that there's a deep episode about Alex, it's just going to come back to that main point. I would like for there to be deep episodes for her that address a different aspect of her character. Because if you look at Kara as an example, there'll be moments where she is struggling with a dark side in her. There's moments where she's struggling with having, you know, seeing everything with rose-colored glasses or moments where she's struggling with romance or commitment issues or whatever. And it's always a different aspect of her character. And whether I like the way that they addressed it or not, it's not always the same thing over and over. And when it is, it's just the one defining trait or something. A, I don't want that to be Alice's one defining trait, and B, I'd like them to address just something else. It's just, can you give her a different aspect of her character that is really deep and interesting to explore beyond that? And I enjoyed back when they, I liked her coming out storyline. I thought that was a great example. I've liked most of her relationships as well. Um, it's just this this thing when it comes back to Kara that it's always, there's some aspect of jealousy. I, I'd like that to kind of lay in its grave for a while. No, I'm just glad that they dropped this idea of like Alex being like, oh, I'm going to take over the, you know, be the new head of the DEO and I'm going to be a single mom and all that kind of stuff. Cause it was just kind of like, I was just like, this is a really weird place to go. And I don't know that you'll have much time to spend with your kid if you're also the head of the DEO, you know? Right. And so I'm glad they decided to go with, let's give her a relationship first, <laughs> you know, a new relationship. And they sort of dropped the like discussion of a child right now, although that might come up again. Um, but, but still, I mean, there's sort of like, I mean, like, even if they make that like the focus for Alex again, it's like, that has nothing to do with anything else that's going on in the show, you know? So if it becomes more like Alex is like, oh yeah, I want to have a kid, you know, it's, it, it might be nice character stuff for Alex, but it's like, how are we, how are we putting this in the show? Cause I don't want them to spin her off too far from Kara. I because I feel like their interactions are always great, 
Um, but it, I don't know. Maybe it's just they're adding too many characters to the show. But they, I feel like Alex is one that they should not lose track of. Yeah, and I think they need to be careful at making sure all of her storylines go well together. Because with this, again, with the leadership aspect of it, the, you know, we're going to continue to touch on this bizarre jealousy with Kara and also she wants a kid and also there's a new relationship. I'm not sure all those storylines play well together. I really like Alex and that's why I think I'm a bit protective of her as a character. I I would like her to be written well and I don't want them to have any wild misstep with her because I don't know how easy it would be to come back from that. Well, yeah, and they've even sort of, I mean, every time they're together, they, they bring it up, but they're not together all that often, is they've almost sort of, like, bossed, I feel like, even the the Alex and Jean relationship, which was yeah. always one of my favorite things of, you know, him being the sort of surrogate dad for her, and especially with the fact that her actual dad is dead now, mm-hmm. you know, I would like to see more of that, you know, now that that's been confirmed, uh, you know, of, of Jean being, you know, the person she looks to as her father, so... Um, yeah. Um, Ryan, what do you think, uh, about Alex and her role in the show? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I won't argue she's taking a back seat this season, but that's just physics, right? I mean, you've only got a 44 minute show and, and you're going to introduce a scene stealer like John Cryer. Um, (laughs) something, (laughs) something's got to give somewhere. If we're, if we're going to develop Lena, we're going to, um, and we're not going to be developing, uh, um, Alex, if we're going to develop Sean, we're not going to develop Alex. If we're going to introduce Nia and Brainy and have their relationship, we're going to not be developing Alex. It, it's, it sucks, but I, I just feel like she's gotten the really short uh, short straw this season on that. Um, they, they kind of put her in a hold pattern. They, we, they gave her a relationship. They gave her a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know the, the better version of Jimmy, basically. And... <laughs> um, and you basically put her on hold. It's like, okay, mm. we don't need to develop her. She is at a good spot. You know, she's, she's found, she has found uh, the, the work-life balance that she was looking for before. Maybe it doesn't involve a kid yet, but maybe that's also because you don't spring on a new relationship. Oh, hey, I know we've only been dating for like three months, but um, put a baby in me. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, or, or adopting or whatever. But so I, I, I don't know. I mean, Obviously I, not a Disney fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, um, no, di- different company, different company. <laughs> A whole other bag of issues. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like, a, I, I, it sucks because I agree with everyone else. She's one of my favorite characters um, and they've done so well with her in the past. But on the other hand, because she was in a good spot, because she was kind of like happy even i'm kind of cool with it it would be different if they made her miserable all, all season right it'd be different if like she was just in, in a bad place and and i'm watching her and she's not getting enough time to to resolve her issues but it, it was almost like she was in a supporting role and it worked for her mm. fair for enough me. yeah yeah no, no no um james uh what do you think about alex uh do you feel like she's being sidelined a uh, little bit. I mean, I, I don't know. I have a love hate relationship with the character, unfortunately. Um, and it's and it's just because, and it is because of writing. It's not because of the actress in any way, shape, or form. It's because of exactly, I think, this problem where there have been seasons where they have had like a decent amount of focus towards the character, um, and her development, uh, in her own personal journey, which has been really great to watch. Um, 
And then, yeah, it just, I think, I think they, they wrote themselves into a position of like, they stacked too much on top of the, uh, on top of the character, as far as how much she could deal with all at once. Um, mm. And so I think they realized that in, in this season of, you know, no longer having her as the, 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 the head of the DEO and all that kind of stuff of just like, just kind of what you were saying, where it's just like, how are you going to be the head of a, of, of a pretty decently sized government agency um, that is taking care of superpower problems um, with and you, know, you have aliens. to work all hours. I mean, that's the thing. Like, and you're gonna like get a baby, and you don't have a yeah. significant other yet. Like, and, when, when that was the thing that was going on, I was like, "This is crazy." I well, mean, it's like when I think about that, I'm like, I'm not saying that they couldn't write around it, but you almost need to make a spinoff show just about Alex's life, which I'm fine with if that's what they want to do. But like there is, as Ryan was kind of saying, like there's just not enough time in the day as far as like, you know, we have, you know, 40, 45 minute episode to write. Um, and we have to contain all of these character arcs that mm. we've been juggling for a while. Um, and, and so I like when they've had seasons where they've done that. They have sidelined a character to have more focus on one character. I felt like um, the last season they, they had done a lot of development uh, with with her. Um, they did a lot of development in this, uh, this and the last season with like Lena. So I think it's just a trade-off, which is unfortunate because I do like when they focus on Alex, they do, they do really great things. When they take the focus away from Alex, um, I mean, I think they could do something a little bit better with her position as far as I don't mind her in a supporting role, but keep her like keep the significance there. Because even then, it's just like if it's just like I'm Kara's sister, I was just like, well, we know that you're her sister. We don't really need to have every single moment you're on screen be about a sisterly moment, so to speak, um, unless there's a moment that requires it, where it's just like, you know, like Kara's hurting, she needs her sister. Those things make sense. But if it's just like on screen to just be there, it's a little disappointing. So I like the direction the end of the season started taking things with her learning new things and no longer being part of the DEO. I'm hoping that leading into season six, they're going to go back to, once again, a little more focus and development around her as an individual. And I agree with what Cammy said. I'd like it a lot if they would get away from the 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 pseudo sisterly rivalry kind of thing that's there. It's just like, just be their own people and be happy with where they are and move past like childish issues that are somewhere on the subliminal spectrum. Um, I think it would do a lot. Well, well, and that's the thing. I, I, I felt like they've done that in the show, but yeah, this was something that worked on the sort of mental level. And so I could sort of see it pulling up old stuff that, you know, she dealt with before, but is still sort of in the back of her head or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't want that to be like a thing where she has a rivalry with, with Kara as part of the show. It just made sense to me from a psychological standpoint of, you know, even if you get over issues, you don't always necessarily get over them completely. Like it's still in the back of your head, even if you're not like, I mean, that on makes it. sense based on a conversation I just had with my wife, my wife, where I went, <laughs> you remember like Are you 12 years ago James? when you drank my drink? And she's just like, Oh my God, have you still not let go of that? <laughs> yeah. I've actually, I actually had a friend once like, 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 like my oldest friend, like, like, like just unleash on me, like all this stuff that I'm like, I don't even remember. And it's just like, like years worth of baggage. And it was just like, I, I, dude, like you should have said something at the time. <laughs> so yeah, no, I know that that can happen too um but anyway um 
that was years ago but yeah that was that was shocked me at some things that people like hold on to that are just like you know i didn't even know that i was upsetting you and you should have said something at the time um but anyway um all right uh of course we've got to talk about kara um and so <laughs> two things <laughs> and, and we do have to kind of pick up the pace here because we are getting kind of long but yeah. um um because i also want to talk just really briefly about season six thoughts after this and i know there are other characters we didn't touch on but i didn't really think andrea was really all that compelling so um you know in, in your shout outs if you felt that i'm wrong just go ahead and tell me um but uh so cara um uh this season two things one we're, we're going into love interest territory again um he he seems to be more of a sideline character kind of like what cammy was talking about where he could be maybe a supporting role to her but not necessarily like um um you know like overshadowing her or them trying to make him like a super or anything like that god i forget his name he's the british reporter um and that shows you how much i think of the character uh, Do we william think- right yeah william thank you yeah so it's um uh uh you know his I don't know if I really care is, is kind of the issue that I want to bring up there. Do we really think that because last season was the one I was the happiest with as far as Kara's position where she didn't really need anyone. She'd gotten over Monel. Things were fairly stable and this feels almost like, well, we got to give her a relationship. So here's a relationship. Um, and, and I'm a little worried about the other thing I wanted to ask. So I'm combining it with my other question. Do you feel like Leviathan has been, a worthy foe for Kara or is that really more of just sort of like we need somebody with superpower, but Lex is the real villain um, for her. And even is that um, a worthy foe for her? So let's, I know I'm combining two things here, um, but yeah, Ryan go. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. I like William. I'm fine with uh, them developing a relationship with her because yeah it's fine that she spends a year off it's fine that she doesn't have a relationship but it's also fine that she does and this feels like yeah and and, and, and yeah i don't have a strong negative i just don't feel really strongly positive about him either it's just kind of there well that and that's that's perfectly fine that makes him the the damsel in distress you know mm. i mean yeah mm-hmm. it, it, he doesn't need to be uh, a character worthy of his, his own existence. He can just be a character that exists purely for, you know, Kara to get some. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's valid. It's like, it's like we were... It, you don't want me to start bringing up the the, the way, like, uh, she's already said she would kiss boys and break their nose. Like, like this, this guy is in for a world of hurt. Let's just put it that way. I'm, I'm hoping she's learned. Uh, <laughs> you know, now, now, granted, Monel being her last relationship, she might right. have, you know, <laughs> But, you know, hopefully that she's learned some restraint or whatever (laughs) so i mean let let him be her rebound let him be you know uh i don't i don't see william being the guy she marries but i he can be the guy that she goes to the movies with uh you know in between episodes i'm totally cool with it um and the fact that he is a a good journalist and by all accounts you know a, a good guy um i i'm fine just letting that one play out and see where it goes um Yes, Leviathan has been sidelined uh, for for Lex. Um, I also think part of that, God, I hate saying this, but I'm not a big fan of Mitch Pelegi, the guy who plays uh, um, since Stargate. I just, I think it's this little tiny nose. I don't know what it is. But, you know, <laughs> I just can't take him seriously in in, in, in an antagonistic role. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know. Maybe Lex can come in, and I, this season was definitely dedicated to the development of Lex Luthor mm-hmm. uh, and, and Leviathan. And Lena. 
and Lena and Leviathan suffered for that. Um, but maybe they can do something different with that in season six. And, and yes, I'm sorry. I like Andrea, um, but mainly that's because I love the actress. I've loved, loved her since Eli Stone. So maybe they'll do more with her too. So. I, I just don't think that there was enough here for me to care too much about Andrea. Um, and uh, Cami, uh, thoughts about the the relationship side for Kara, and also like uh, you know what you know the villain side of things. Like, have they given her a worthy foe for this season? I think they have given her a worthy foe. I don't think they've given her a worthy relationship, but mm. you can't win them all, right? Sometimes right. you get a great villain <laughs> and a really boring guy, and that's what we had. Okay. So with William, I'm I'm pleased to know his name. That's great. I'm yeah. going to forget it in 20 minutes, just <laughs> right. like I've been doing all season long. He is incredibly forgettable. And that's to an extent that's okay. And and I agree with you know that perspective. And I just was saying not like 30 minutes ago that I just wanted her to have a love interest who was content with being a love interest. Mm-hmm just don't need them to be a boring love interest. Like, did I ask for that? No. And that's what we're given. I want an interesting love interest. Am I asking for too much? Let me know. (laughs) I don't think so. Okay, good. (laughs) I I don't mean to be demanding. (laughs) You know, nice guys finish last. (laughs) (laughs) Right. However, (laughs) I would be, and and part of this comes from, I, I, I really want her to have a cool, interesting hero storyline and a cool personal, you know, life as Kara as well. And for there to be a love interest who can kind of bridge both worlds. And I I don't know in this circle if I'm about to express a popular or unpopular opinion, but I found Oliver and Felicity to actually be a really good example of that, where both Oliver and the arrow or the green arrow quote-unquote had a a love interest and a partner in felicity that's not the example of what i'm trying to say cara needs because i would say felicity was not just a love interest she had other things what i think cara needs though that arrow captured there is someone who can be both a love interest to supergirl and a love interest to cara and i think that's a lot to ask of a character and also be interesting and everything else and that's why i don't want a hero story line also tacked onto said person that's too much for the show to handle they already have a huge cast of characters i don't think william can do that i think he can be like a cute little love interest for Kara, but i don't think he can be a love interest for supergirl mm. that's fair i i, I it, it is it is a hard needle to thread and you know and and that's why like even like lois lane depending on her you know the the, the way that they depict her you know, sometimes works and sometimes doesn't where she just yeah. feels like she's just there for Superman to save. Um, you know, so, so it's all about the writing and the casting to, to make that work as someone who is both someone, you know, for Clark and someone for Superman. Um, um, and uh, James, what do you think about uh, Kara's relationship and uh, you know, have they given her a worthy foe? Um, I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know. I I was unimpressed by Leviathan through most of the season. Um, I was rooting for <laughs> Luther to get rid of them. I was right. like, yeah, yeah, just destroy them because I feel like they're just wasting some screen time. Because um, I just didn't think they were all that threatening. Um, it, it, like any time that they really showed up, I was just like, okay, but but you guys put down like 
the world destroyer later lady and like she almost pulled off killing like the world and like these guys just eh, okay um so i just i don't know I, they were uninteresting uh, as far as car's relationships i it sounds bad i'm just i give up like <laughs> I just, there's there's not a relationship she's had that i've been inspired by sure. like i wasn't inspired with monel i definitely wasn't inspired with jimmy um and like it was just there's never been and and i think i i think we've we've hit the nail on the head where it's just like if she just has a love interest and we're not like diametrically trying to develop that on screen on a constant and consistent level then i'll be perfectly happy with it it's just like yeah he's my boyfriend if he's just your boyfriend forever and we almost never see him on screen i can be okay with that that's perfectly fine by me but i just uh, it's i just don't think the cw as we've said many many times now um they just don't do relationships particularly well in mm. most of the shows and i'm just I'm kind of tired of seeing them try. I would really like to see them just focus the effort in other areas that um, could definitely like use the strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, um, you know, I already mentioned my thoughts on William. Um, I, I, I feel like Leviathan is just, I don't know. They, they I, I feel like Kara works better when she's working against big concepts you know, because even Lex, even though he's this, you know, very charismatic, you know, character, very manipulative, and he's great. I don't feel like he's the best foe for Kara, because I feel like with the whole thing of how they're always nailing down that Kara is like, you know, the, the paragon of hope, you know, I mean, even before they introduced the concept of paragons on a capital P, you know, is that, you know, her working against something like I still go back to last season with her working against the the sort of racist movement against aliens and having a face for that. You know, it gave her both a central figure to be the villain, but also gave a big concept for her to fight against. And I kind of like that. I think that that worked best for her as far as having, you know, like sort of like a good thing that was suited to her character and how it's been portrayed as the villain. Now, I think some of the writing and some of the things that have gone on have been better this season. So don't, don't get me wrong and say that season four is necessarily better than season five. Cause I love all the stuff they've done with both Lena and Lex in season five. Um, but I feel like, you know, as far as the villain side of it, I feel like we're getting a little wobbly, you know, that it's not, it's not as good as last season where I felt like it was a little more focused. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, and it might have all came together in the last three episodes and it would have just been like, oh, wow, now I see completely how all this fit together. It was great. But, you know, we didn't get that because COVID-19. And so that's the last thing I want to ask um, is about season six. Um, you know, we saw the DEO get destroyed just before this. Do we think that that was a greater move by the series? Because now that DEO isn't even part of the government, it was like a, like a Lex Corp like business um are they just trying to get rid of the deo especially with the introduction of the layer as like a new place for them to like sort of like act from or do you think the deo will be back and what do you want to see and see like what do you want to get out of season six um so uh let's start with you this time ryan well you know you mentioned that you feel like Kara does better supergirl does better when she's facing more larger than life nebulous be it you know uh racism or world killers or whatever uh type threats and so i can kind of see i don't want to get too political here but you know we've got a a a 
public figure who's basically a con man um, and who's getting into politics, who's just won prizes and everything, who who I, honestly, I could see them gearing up for having Lex setting setting Kara up as the outsider against a corrupt you know, sliding towards fascist type government um, run by Lex Luthor. And uh, it would play right into the whole how they like to do, you know, make political commentary. Um, so I, I think that might be where they're going with it. They had to get her out of the DEO. Um, and the, the layer was a perfect addition for this. And that's also where you could set up Alex in a supporting role where she's still doing something important for the team, you know, kind of like a, a Felicity type thing. Although I guess we've got Brainy or whoever. doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I want Alex to be like the girl in the chair, but that's, that's a whole other. She yeah. can do, it doesn't, but then, you know, we don't have to um, pigeonhole characters or people. She mm-hmm. can be more than that. But um, yeah, I think they're setting up kind of a, a, an outsider dynamic for the, for the team for, for next season or, or maybe the end of this season um, had it happened. Uh, and I think it'll also be a way because like this season we had a lot of moving parts moving separately. Jean was off doing his whole thing and yeah, they'd come back around to each other a little bit, but now we can get team Supergirl because it won't have that government oversight. And, and I, I, I think this could be, it'll be a complete shift, a complete, um, uh, change the of the dynamic but i think it could really work and be a good thing mm-hmm. okay uh james uh do you think the deo is gone and uh what do you want out of season six i mean i'd like to see the deo gone. i think if they brought it back for any reason it would be the opposing force to supergirl and um the team and their efforts and whatnot if if they brought it back at all um but otherwise, like if they didn't, I'd be perfectly happy with that too. Um, I think it'll be an interesting dichotomy because um, there's just a lot that has to repair at this point um, in terms of like relationships. Um, and I think that's a big part of what the at least the first half of season six is going to probably focus on is that repair of the relationship between Brainy and everybody else and the repair of the relationship, the continuing repair of the relationship between Kara um, and Lena. And uh, I think it's I, I think a big part of that first season is going to be that like everything's been destroyed. We're starting from the ground up again and rebuilding. Um, and I think that's what that story um kind of needs to be at this point and then the latter half of the season hopefully we see like our heroes come back together as a much stronger force um of course against lex because well who else <laughs> are they gonna fight uh and um cammy uh do you think the deo is gone and what would you like out of season six i hope the deo is gone i'm ready for them to move beyond that premise and i completely agree that this would be really interesting to see them get political and get political in having a character run for office against another character running for office i think this is a a point in time where that makes sense i think comic books historically have gotten very political and very overt in their political stances so i'm not opposed to comic book tv shows making that transition and i think the times in which the show has tried to you know sort of take a stance or make a statement they've when they are just shy of overt is when I think it's it's a little too fuzzy for me. I want them to go full force, full analogy, or extremely sort of more of a subtle take on things. They kind of have previously ridden the line between it where I'm like, okay, I know that you have the same views as me, so I'm, I'm there. It's not that I'm going to disagree with anything, but you either need to go further and really lean into the analogy in current events 
or you need to kind of take it a different direction and and do a creative twist on it. I hope this is the season where they go full force, no sort of thinly veiled euphemisms, you know, just completely take a stance on something that a super would take a stance on. I think that would be really interesting, fascinating. It'll get people talking. It'll get people engaged, perhaps mad. That's fine. That's what comic books do. I would like to see that for her. And I think Alex would be a good option of a character to run for office yeah i actually thought that they were going to do that storyline with jimmy this season and that was going to be their way of writing him out was there was that senator position or something and so um yeah no i mean that that would be an interesting way to go with the show um i also think the deo is gone and frankly good riddance it's sort of been like a millstone around the neck of the show for a while now if they were going to keep the with the idea that season one had of this is just a show about like catching like alien criminals the deo made perfect sense They've, they went beyond that, you know, uh, definitely last season and this season, it just felt like it's just, it's just there. And so, yes, giving them a more traditional superhero layer to operate out of is good. We don't need the DEO anymore. And the fact of the matter is they're, they're only rarely going after alien bad guys these days. So, um, you know, tackling any kind of issues, any kind of supervillains, you know, just, just let the show like evolve out of that is good. Um, for next season, the thing that I want, because this season finally gave me what I've been asking for for a while, because it seemed for so long that with anything with relationship or, and I mean relationship in the general sense, not the romantic sense, or any kind of moral decisions, Kara's always had it way too easy. And this season has finally ha- made Kara have to like admit to a mistake with how she's handled things with Lena and had to deal with the ramifications of that. And I think that's great. Don't let up on it next season. You know, don't have Lena and Kara necessarily just go right to back to being besties. Make it be like, yeah, I'm going to work with you against Lex because Lex is a monster. But that doesn't mean that, you know, like everything is just like, oh, we forget about it in an episode. You know, there's still baggage there. Don't have Brainy and Dreamer get back together. You know, like don't make all these things so easy that they just get over them in an episode or two. They, they, it has to be. And frankly, I'm fine if they never put Brainy and Dreamer back together. That is perfectly fine. Um, you know, and that's I the other thing that. is don't always make these relationships circular either. We have a fight, we break up, we come back together. That's not interesting. Have things have lasting consequences that go even beyond a season because that's the way, you know, relationships work. I mean, like you don't always get forgiven. Things don't always go back to the way they were. So, um, that's, that's really what I want. I don't really have any specific like asks as far as characters. Keep McGon on though. Because I was so happy to see her and have them acknowledge like a character. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the one I will say is I'm fine if you guys bring back Maxwell Lord. There were interesting things with that character you could have done. And um, as sort of a counterpoint to Lex um, might be interesting to bring back now. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that ship has sailed. But um, definitely any of the characters they just forgot existed. I, I'm fine with them bringing back for an episode or two at least. Um, but uh all right oh and i oh, I'm, I'm sorry I, I will say one more thing 
I did sort of dismiss Andrea. The one thing I did like about it is because they made her so much of this sort of clickbaity kind of like person running CatCo is that it actually forced Kara to do the reporting side of things that has been such a small part of the show up until now, even though they made it like a big deal, like as far as her care, like, oh, I want to be a reporter. I want to be a reporter. But then we never actually see her doing a lot of reporter stuff. That I liked. I, we saw her doing legwork. We saw her doing research. We saw her doing all that stuff, you know, and from that standpoint if they want to leave Andrea in to be that sort of like figure like not like Kat like urging her on to be a better reporter but just because Kara is so determined to fight Andrea on all these decisions and do good reporting I thought that was a fun way of sort of taking that and I'm I'm fine with that continuing on um but uh but yeah so um obviously we could talk about Supergirl there's plenty of other things to talk about for another hour or so at least but I think we've I think we've covered uh you know most of it um, with the podcast uh so why don't we say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online um so uh Cammie, why don't you start us off sure and thank you guys for letting me join you on your podcast today I- oh yeah anytime I had a great time. I thought this was really fun. I can be found on Twitter or any social media site at Cami and Ray. I co-host a podcast with Golden Spiral Media. I write for some magazines sometimes, that sort of thing. So you can find me. I'll be talking about DC CW shows on Twitter, most likely. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, James, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Yeah, uh, it's always fun to be on the podcast. And uh, if people want to find me, I'm at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter. Uh, My website, same thing. Pretty much anywhere on the internet, same thing. Just Roman on the Rocks. Um, Yeah. All right. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, you know, I will never say goodbye to the internet. I'm always here lurking. Um, but if you want to check out like a defunct website and Twitter account, by all means, go go to geekstranger.com. It hasn't been updated in a year. Go to uh, um, check out my Twitter on Geek Stranger. Um, you know, I, they're, they're, I'm not going to make any promises because, <laughs> because they, they tend to not work out for me. 2020 has just been, been you know, well, 2020. Um, that said, you know, if you want to... Uh, Tell me why I'm why you're wrong about something. Uh, feel free to find me on Facebook or one of these fine people's Facebook pages, and you know you, you can get me from there. Um, odds are you are wrong about something, and I don't mind telling you. So yay, yay, come find me. <laughs> <laughs> so so Ryan, because Dragon Con isn't happening this year, you should update your website during what, yeah. <laughs> what you would normally have as the Dragon Con weekend. Uh, the, the, my free time there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, um, Cammy, James, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. And that's it for our Supergirl episode. We hope you liked it, and you can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to tweet to us at 42cast. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast and leave us a message there. You can also go to our website at 42cast.com and leave feedback on any of our episodes. You can also leave us reviews on stitcher or apple podcasts and i will say the reviews on apple podcasts do help because they all you know they also help with the analytics and how they 
market the podcast and present them to other people. So the more reviews we get, the more that they put that out there for other people to look at. So definitely would appreciate reviews. Definitely would appreciate emails or feedback on any of those forms. And oh, oh, I keep forgetting to mention the Instagram. So yes, we're also on Instagram as 42cast. So yes, you can also leave comments there for any of the episodes that are on Instagram. So, uh, all that being said, <laughs> I also want to mention the ESO Patreon, you know, patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's a way of supporting the station. Uh, it's a way of supporting all of us on the station. It does pay out to us, you know, helps us all. So, um, yeah, if you want to help the network, that's a way that you can do that. You got a little bit of money. I know times are tough right now, so of course it is only for people who have something that they can spare, but, you know, it does help us also. So if you like the content we're providing, that's a way to do that. So, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, like I said, uh, uh, patreon.com slash ESO Network. The tiers are all described there. What you get for them, you get some exclusive episodes, things like that. Different podcasts give different things as part of the network, but we're all giving something. So just take a look there. And it also gives you access to exclusive podcasts that the network puts out also. Um, so, I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff. So just read the description. Find out what you get for your money and, and you know, you work that out. And, you know, I'm also going to throw in there the Public website. Just look for the ESO Network on Public. There's links on the ESO Network Facebook page and, and such. And, you know, we, it's more than just t-shirts. It's t-shirts, it's hoodies, sweaters, jackets, hats, mugs, mouse pads, stickers, all your favorite shows on the ESO network, their stuff, their logos, their designs, they're all on Public, and yeah, you can get anything. So if you want a shirt, you want a sweater, you want something you can wear that's great, all that stuff is there. But there's the pillowcases, the mouse pads, the stickers, there's all kinds of stuff. So I mean, just get the swag support the station that way too i mean that's that's a great way of doing that and in that case also if your favorite podcast did their own design it didn't come from the network it actually pays back to us directly so you know 42 cast owns its own design so just saying you know buy some 42 cast swag it's okay <laughs> but anyway obviously it would be nice if you did. I would love the advertising, the free advertising. But no, seriously, that's not the biggest thing here. Uh, I'm just glad that people are listening to the show. So anyway, and I also want to mention time streams. Time streams being the other podcast that I do with my friend Julia, where we're talking about Doctor Who and going through the whole thing from the beginning. Give that a listen. You do not have to be steeped in Doctor Who lore. You do not have to be familiar with the classic series. You don't even need to watch with us. Because the way that we're doing the show is we describe it to you so that you don't need to watch it. So if you like Juliet and I talking, you like our banter, you like you know us going through it, it's fine. If you're steeped in Doctor Who lore, you've watched all the shows, you've got all that, that's fine. Come for that also, but you don't need that. If you just like listening to us, just listen to time streams and you get all that. So, you know, there's my plug for that also. But, uh, yeah, um, con stuff, I have absolutely no idea what's going on this year. I'm pretty sure Chicago TARDIS is going to happen, and if so, my tickets for last year that I'd already purchased carry over into this year, and so that'll be in November. Planning tentatively to be at C2E2. Don't get any panels with that, because C2E2 is... 
it's really hard to get a panel in C2E2. Let's just put it that way. You have to like petition them for it. They don't already have tracks and things and they don't look for people to provide content. You basically have to petition them and beg to do a panel and already have all the people assembled who are going to do the panel and all that kind of stuff. So I won't be there for that, but I'll be there to check out guests and to check out the vendor room and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and they're this year, they're looking at doing C2E2 in December. So hopefully, you know, everybody will be vaccinated and everything like that. I personally am hoping Dragon Con is virtual this year. <laughs> Selfish reason, because I won't be able to attend Dragon Con even if they do hold it. So I am hoping that it is a virtual con again, so I'll be able to participate. And who knows, maybe Sean will do Pop Pop Con Con again. It would be nice if he would. I don't know if he is, though, and definitely I'd participate in that again if he's doing that again. So that's all for this week. Join us back next week when Gal Gadot will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. And now the outtakes. No, I got. There's a gal I work with. She just got the new um, Twilight book from Stephanie Meyer, and she had ordered it on Amazon. And she has Prime, and so Prime was like, "It will be there the day it releases." <laughs> she didn't get it till like a day and a half later. There, there's gonna was, be another Twilight book. Yeah. She oh was my so god. Oh, oh it's even better. It's even better. This one is <laughs> the first book from the perspective of Edward. And I was like, oh, that just sounds like garbage writing. That's Long that chapters like. of him staring at her while she sleeps. <laughs> I've made all these jokes. And like, I told her, I was just like, I was like, you know how I know that this is a bad, like, this is just bad writing. And she goes, how do I go? Cause I've never read any book in my life. that was a good book that I went, you know, this would be a better book. If it was from the perspective of this other character, it never happened. Uh, well, sometimes if you do from the perspective of like a villain or something, it makes it interesting. Well, yeah, but, uh, but he's yeah. not even a villain. I, no, he's I know. Even, I'm just saying that, yeah, I mean, that's the emo shiny vampire. <laughs> like. Okay, in Stephanie Meyer's defense, if it's from the perspective of Edward, it is from the perspective of the villain, right? He's the bad guy. That's what I got from it. <laughs> I don't know enough about Twilight to really say. (laughs) I I have nothing. I have nothing to come back on that at all. (laughs) Wait, see. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like 10 years from now, she writes yet a third version from the perspective of her, the author, cashing the checks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Dora. It's like, hey. Enjoy what you enjoy. I'm not telling you don't enjoy your book. I'm just telling you from from my opinion, I think it's garbage writing. But that's okay. okay. <laughs> All right. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Make that podcast, Nathan. Let's that's- do it. <laughs>
Yes, yes. I, I really love doing topics about things that I know very little about. That's, that's <laughs> the really best. It's a really nuanced split between talking about Supergirl and talking about Twilight at <laughs> some points, to be fair. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the Berlanti group's never been very good about writing relationships. So, I mean, I can sort of, can sort of see that. All right. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.